Good evening and uh, welcome to Olosa Fumar Takes. This is our 257th take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azle, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Plissy, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. It's going to be a fantastic show. I've been really looking forward to speaking with this gentleman. I had the opportunity to meet him just a couple weeks ago at the PCA trade show, and we are doing it live here on our 257th take, bringing his story straight to you guys. And I'm so excited for you all to listen to this, whether you're listening on a podcast later or tuning in live with us tonight. It's going to be a story you won't want to miss. Uh, but before we get to formal introductions of our guest of honor, we do have to thank the people that make this show possible. That, of course, is our sponsors. Tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate has done it once again. Yes, the Liga Pravada family has expanded, and it's the new H99. Papas Fritas is now available at Drew Diplomat Retailers. The new H99 Papas Fritas. Yes, you heard it. The Papas Fritas line is getting an expansion with the H99 brand, H99 brand ex, uh, and blend exclusively extending to that fabled size. So get your Papas Fritas H99 today at Drew Diplomat Retailers and let them know that I sent you. You won't get a discount, but just let them know that I sent you anyway. So, uh, and welcome everyone. This is our 257 take. It is my pleasure to welcome in tonight's guest of honor, sponsored by United Cigars, Smoke One Today, and Start Living United, Mr. Arnold Serafin of Serafin de Cuba Cigars. Arnold, how are we doing tonight? Bear, we're doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Honored to be here on your show. Oh man, the honor—the honor is mine, man. Uh, I, I mean, when we get into it here in just a few minutes, um, you know, your family story and the legacy of of your father and grandfather and, and generations going back, everything. You know, it's um, man, it's 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 so exciting. Um, what you what you're doing with your you know your family's legacy and everything, it's so exciting. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm thrilled I'm thrilled to have you. I'm thrilled to talk about it. So, uh, but uh, I appreciate it. But um, I wanted to first of all, I mean, I. We're, we're going to get into this here in a little bit earlier. So it was, it was Seraphim de Cuba's uh, Cigars' first uh, PCA trade show. Um, you recently brought on a national sales manager, Rich Myberg, uh, who's uh, well-known. He's been in the industry for forever and done some really great things. But uh, uh, he recently uh, um, took ill, and but he's doing better now, right? He's released from the hospital and everything. We just wanted to – I wanted to take the opportunity to wish him well. And, uh, and it was good Thank to see him much. at the show. But, um, oh yeah, Rich is Rich is the best, great guy. So, um, and I I'm sure he's uh, resting up and 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 draw and, you know probably also like starting a diary of 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 jokes that he can unleash oh, yeah. in the world when he's <laughs> when he's full, yeah he's got a repertoire of jokes which is unbelievable. How do you remember all these jokes? It's crazy. It, it's it's, uh, it's really. He's a so, great guy. I love some of, some of them are absolutely fantastic, and then there's some that are absolutely awful. But there's it's just so delightful <laughs> in the, the interim. It doesn't matter. So yeah, no matter but, what, we love them anyway, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Rich, yeah. well, I want to get one uh, wish you well, man, and uh, I'm glad uh, glad you're on the on the recovery side of things. So make sure that that uh, make sure to come back and see us as quickly as can as you can. But um, yeah, no, I mean the uh, I'm. Arnold, like you said, you you were you're a fan. You've thank you for you're you're a fan of the show and you're a big supporter of the show. So you kind of know how this goes. I always always ask my uh, uh, my guest of honor to uh, to select my first cigar. So uh, this is a unique situation. I happen to have, I believe, um, all of the premium cigars that you offer in your portfolio in front of me. Maybe oh wow, I'm you wrong. still got a bunch of them. Yeah. 
So, uh, um, and so I've got the Florida Tampa in the torpedo size, uh, the Prince of Wales, uh, the La Floridana in the, uh, I guess you call it the Gordito size. Oh, yeah. 60. Is it the, the little, the little short one? Yeah, the 4 by 60 um, and then I also have the Don Ramon series in both the 1917 1917 and the 1942 um as well. So you got a good selection there. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. I've smoked them all. I'll I'll be completely transparent with you. Uh I did the I had the La Floridana that I smoked was not in this size. Um and it's the one that I've the, the La Floridana is also the only one I've smoked one of. So oh, okay. So what are you in the mood for? Do you like more of a milder cigar, more of a medium? What do you, what's your palate? Um, so I've had a really busy day and I got to be honest with you, this is going to be my first cigar. So I have a fresh palate, man. So whatever, whatever you want me to smoke, I will gladly light up and look forward to it. You have, you smoked my grandfather's yet? The Don Ramon 1917? Yes, I have. Mm -hmm. You have smoked that one. Okay. How about, uh, how about the Florida Tampas? I've smoked all of them. The only one that I've smoked, smoked one of, one. yeah, I've, I've, the only one I've smoked one of is La Florida, the La Floridana, and I did not smoke it in this size. But I'm trying not to let I'm, I'm trying I'm trying not to guide your answer here. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it's tough, right? It's tough because I'm always asking folks what what they like, what they prefer. But um, I mean, honestly, I love them all, and I, I actually have them right here in front of me as well. So um, I don't know, man. You know what? Go with. Uh, you, are you a mild smoker at all? Do you like a mild cigar? From time I, I love. I will absolutely smoke anything. I am. The, I am the. I am. This is the reason why my wife and I hate picking restaurants because I will literally eat anything, and she's like, um, but she never likes to pick. So it's just a constant. I know. Like, <laughs> it's, it's not horrible. Sometimes it's it's hard to say go here, go there. Yeah. Um. All right. What the hell? Go with the mild cigar tonight. Do the Don Ramon 1942, which is the one that I created for my dad. Awesome. Because he was That's a Connecticut, he was a Connecticut guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He loved those uh those Connecticut rappers, man. Yeah, I love the picture of, uh, of him on your website, man. It's like um, oh thank you. Perfect. It's gonna be four years, four years now in December that he's gone, which is unbelievable. But I still feel like he's watching, you know. He's he's definitely involved in everything I'm doing for sure. It's awesome. Um now I've heard you talk about the Churchill specific, the size specifically that you have. You're pretty fond of it, and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing he was as well as he was. Yeah, this one's actually uh, it's a Presidente. It's uh, seven and a half by fifty, so it's you know half an inch bigger. But um, he loved the Connecticut rappers. He loved the size, and you know there's this whole thing about like the old time Cuban guys. You know if they're playing dominoes or hanging out or whatever, they love this size because they would put it in their guayabera. And if they're playing dominoes, they would just have this thing for like, you know, a few hours at least. So it's like the classic Cuban size. And the Churchill, too, of course, it's just a little bit shorter, which is uh, like the one I did for my grandfather, which is the 1917 version. And um, that one has like the little pigtail and stuff on it. We really wanted to go old school with that one, kind of keep it with that whole Cuban uh, fuma, like a little fuma with a folded foot and a pigtail. But this one, I just kind of, you know, put a mounted head. You know, I love the way they turned out. Uh, and it's hard to say which one is more popular because I get folks now that say, oh, my God, I love the 1942 in the morning. I like the 1917 at night or, you know, later in the day. So it just depends on the person's, uh, like you said, like the palate, the mood that they're in. 
You gotta love that. I think that what's what I've noticed about your portfolio, we're going to get into it a little bit here in just a minute, but um, what I've really liked about it so far is that it's, uh, and I, you know, as, as it grow, you know, as it grows and expands, I'm sure that you could definitely hit this, but like, this is a very approachable portfolio. Um, you know, there's nothing too abrasive. There's nothing too like, oh, if, you know, if you're a mild smoker, you can't smoke that. Cause that's just going to be, that's going to just too, be too abrasive for your palate. Likewise, yeah, exactly. but if you got people who are like heavy pied smokers, there there's cigars here that you, like one can really appreciate at the same time. So I think, I think the uh, the Florida Tampa is more of a of a cigar for like a smoker that's been you know season like a seasoned smoker. I guess is the way that I'd like to describe it. Yeah, I've kind of gone back and forth on this. this the The one that I'm smoking now uh, was the first one that I smoked. It was the very first cigar of yours that I smoked. Um, really enjoyed it. Um, Thank you. And, um, and as I worked away, if I, as I went through the portfolio, it was my favorite until I got to the Florida Tampa. Um, and I, yeah, I really, I really enjoy the Florida Tampa blend. I think that's, that's absolutely good, but they're, um, they're different. Gonna, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Right, let's, we'll, we'll get into it. So like, let's go ahead and kind of, let's just dive in here. Uh, that with tonight's major point, which is of course always brought to you by the people. Yeah, cigar people, the people who know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol Cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, maybe it is, but behind the fun <laughs> is a motivation for service, a motivation for giving back. From the original Protocol Blue to the latest release in the Lawman series, uh, Phoebe Cousins, Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what their life's work has been and always will be about. Power of the P Protocol Cigars. All right. Well, let's dive. Let's dive in here, Arnold. We've been we're 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 already kind of starting talking about your about your portfolio and everything. So let's let's kind of go down the line here. So um, the cigar that I'm smoking tonight that you picked for me was the the Don Ramon series, the um, the 1942, uh, and it's got a a photo or a painting um, of your father on it. Um, of dad, yeah. Is it? Um, is this a is this an actual like was this did you commission this for the band or was there another mural I, I can't remember this there's a story about this picture of him yeah actually i have that uh that painting of him it was done by a local artist uh a yeah. cuban lady and uh madeline noah she's here in tampa and okay. it turns out that right after dad passed away I, I just she stumbled into my store and um she actually she does a several you know she does several paintings in ybor city of different things. She paints roosters, uh, a lot of Cuban memorabilia stuff. And not really, her forte is not really doing portraits. But when I when she walked into my store, it turns out she was from like the same area of Cuba where my family's from, which is the central part of the island. Like if I always say that if you throw a dart, like right where Santa Clara is, that's kind of where my family's from, which is uh, pretty much where Pepin um, Garcia's from. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks are from that central region because that was a a big tobacco growing region as well in Cuba, other than Pinar de Rio. But um, anyway, she walked in and I, and I, you know, we started talking for a little bit and I told her, I said, I would really be honored if you would paint my father, my grandfather and my great grandfather. And I kind of gave her the idea, you know, the tobacco field and stuff. And, and when she did it, I was just blown away by it. She did such a beautiful job. And then a few months after that, I said, you know what, I'm going to make dad cigar. Cause after he passed away, that was like my, I kind of look at it like my way of um, honoring him, but at the same time, for me to, um, you know, what's what I'm looking for to, uh, God, I know in Spanish, but, you know, sometimes you think, I, at least I think in Spanish sometimes, and 
the words don't come out in English as well, but uh, my way of um, honoring him and paying respects to him, you know, through through his passing, of course. And uh, I just love the way that he came out. He's very happy in the in the painting, and, and I just put it on the label, and I think it looks really great, you know. Yeah, it's got Morn, this... mourning is the word. That's the word, mourning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was my way to mourn him as well. That's. I think it's. Um... You know, it's got a, it's got, a, it's got a great story behind it, and I think once, when, when people learn it about it, it, it kind of makes it even more meaningful. I like the, I like the coloring of it. Um, it makes it, um, I guess, again, again, it's more than just a more, it's more than just a photo, right? Like, or yeah, or, it's or, special. Yeah, it's and it's a different kind of it's a different kind of mural. Like some of the, uh, sure. like you think of the like some of the more iconic, uh, you know, people on bands like that aren't even real people. Well, I'm sure they were, but like La Gloria Cubana, <laughs> uh, like Gloria uh, right. La Roma de Cuba comes to mind. La Gloria Cubana comes to mind, right? Like sure. those, like that kind of art is different than than this. Like this is, uh, you know. It's got a. It's, it's very personal. Yeah, I think it's well. It's very personal, but it's just. It, it, I can't even put my finger on it. That's why I'm stumbling through my words. I'm normally a little bit more graceful, um, but <laughs> it's still. It's. It, it. I think it is because it's personal. Is why I. I, I think it's really cool. So, um, thank you. The uh, so he loved he loved shade wrappers. That's why you made it for him. He loves the size, as well, and everything. Is there is there a, any thought to kind of you know expanding it to different vitolas as well? Or do you want to just keep it the one size because of because of who it's honoring and, and everything and homage? Well, you know, you, you hit it on the head. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a little secret, which I don't know if you figured this one out, but I, I don't I don't think I had mentioned it. But people would come up to me when I made the cigar and they'd say, "Well, when are you gonna make this in in a different size?" I said, "Never." Originally, bear, I never thought I was gonna sell this outside of Florida. I wanted to kind of just uh, sell this on my own, and it's a very limited production cigar. And um, to tell you the truth, the blend was so popular and I had other ideas, right, for other brands and stuff. And what I did was I got the blend that I used here and I used it on Prince of Wales, on the Prince of Mm Wales. So it is the same blend. And now this blend, obviously, in this uh, line comes in three different sizes. So it's available in Torpedo, Toro, and uh, Robusto in the Prince of Wales. But as far as it being a Don Ramon 1942, this will be the one forever like it's just his cigar you know i like that yeah and and i'm so honored about the fact like people call me and they tell me oh my god you know i smoked it with my son or i smoked it with uh you know with the dear family member or whatever and and it creates these memories for them you know and that's kind of what i wanted to to do with that cigar you know and that's uh the same thing we did with the 1917 And, and for those of you that are probably curious 1942 is because that was the year dad was born and then 1917 was the year grandpa was born. And they both had the same name, which was Ramon. So. Yeah, dad dad just didn't want to care. Did I've always it's so interested this like is is there a Ramon in your family? Like on your in your generation? No, but uh it's funny because dad's name was Ramon and then Arnold was the second name in Spanish, Arnoldo, right? Arnoldo. So then I got Arnold Arnaldo, which is what my mother named me, right? Arnaldo. She changed it a little bit. But uh, I don't know, man. Maybe one day I'll just add the Ramon onto my name too, just to keep it going. Because okay. you know, it's 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 a big honor for me, you know. Yeah, I've it's I I really like the f- fact that like like it's really funny. Like we we've talked a lot about like Carly Dufourne, for example, and his his dad 
you know, we know him as, you know, Carlos Fuente senior sure. or the old, the, or the old man or, you know, you know, so on and so forth, like the other names and stuff. But as he was growing up and the people that knew him from his youth and grew up with him in the business, all called Carlos Fuente senior Carlito. Yes. They and, that's, did, yeah. and that's, and that's weird. And that's just like weird to think about. Like, um, <laughs> I remember talking to like Cynthia Fuente about that and, uh, you know, and her, her uh, uh, telling, and then, and, and, and Liana Fuente as well. And her telling stories about how people from like, guess basically from his generation calling him Carly. I was like, God, that's gotta be confusing. That would just, right. Which is That would just wreck But me. it's so cool. They keep, they keep it going, you know, I mean, yeah. now his son is Carlos the third now. And I'm, you know, that's great. that They keep it yeah. going. What it's an honor, sweet. you know? Absolutely. So but it's big in, in, you know, in, in many, different cultures but in the mm-hmm. spanish culture for sure you know we love to do that keep the names going so. well yeah and it, it, i i like it too it, i've always because um my my heritage is 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 mexican which does it both usually you're named after your oh, father yeah, but course. you but you bring your mother's name along for the ride um is what my oh sure my grandma used to tell me and stuff and and uh so like the names got the game the names got pretty obnoxious because they'd get really they'd get really long. Um, they can get long for sure. So, um, but but this uh, this cigar is so just it's I really like Churchill's and in this case what you call the Presidente just because the the smoke is so cool and this blend is so refined in this size that it just it's makes very mellow, right? Yeah, very mellow, but. But here's the here's the here's the kicker when when you is that it's not it's not lacking in flavor and it's not like just a lot of times with you know with Connecticut I found with Connecticut shade cigars in longer formats the smoke sometimes cools the tobacco so much that it actually it might very well be like fantastic tobacco might very well be like flavorful tobacco but the smoke cools it so much because of that long chamber that it just it really, really mellows it out. Um, True. And the, I, I don't think this is the case with this one. I really, I really enjoy it. It's very nice. Um, thank you. Uh, I mean, I feel like that one. You know, there, there's some Connecticut's that are very, like you said, very mellow. It's almost like you're smoking air. I guess is what I hear all the time. But that one, I feel like it's, uh, it's not complex, but it's got a lot of flavor, and it's got like that, it's got like that sweetness to it. You know. Mm-hmm. Very mild, but very creamy. I guess is the word. You know. Well, if you want to amp it up to what I've found in the few that I've smoked and I had this, because I smoked this at the trade show uh, when you and I were doing your interview at your booth and I was smoking this as well. And and it, oh, I, I lost it, my voice. Remember? Yeah. I think it only been like my, I think it was my second or third cigar of the day. I can't remember, but um, it was, it was really clean, which made it a really enjoyable smoke at the time. And then, but if you wanted to kick it in the pant, like if you wanted to, I guess a kick in the pants with it and really kind of amp it up is the retro hail on this is absolutely fantastic. Um, and it really, it really brings out the, the exquisiteness of the flavor of the tobacco. Um, and again, it kind of, it, it, it gives the, it gives the blend a kick in my mind. So if you retro hail it, it, it takes it from a mild cigar. It just gives it that nice little kick up the ladder to like that mild medium range without, sure. without, without, again, without being abrasive. So um, it has, it has character, right? Mm-hmm. I, think so. I think so. I think it's a really well-rounded cigar, Arnold. You should be really proud of it. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. And I know your father is, so that's that's really cool. But let's talk about. I think your... he's watching. He's watching. <laughs> oh, he's definitely watching. I th- let's talk about your grandfather's cigar, though. This is the uh, 
um, the uh, the 1917 Don Ramon series. Um, this one's a little bit darker format, um, obviously, and uh, um, uh, the Cigar Coop Coalition. Two of two of the uh, two of us, four of us, lit this one up when we came to your booth, and all of them were very impressed with it. Um, what honored. What is the difference between? Uh, obviously, we talk about the tobacco on the surface level, but let's talk about why why it's so different than your your father's cigar. Well, you know that cigar, the the nineteen seventeen, like you said, I made that one to honor my grandfather back in the day. You know, he pushed it kind of to the limit. And he did so much stuff. Um, I'll tell you a funny story, though. When, when I was 14 years old, dad took me down to Cuba to visit. And mm-hmm. my grandmother, she was concerned about my aunt, you know, because she was still down there. Um, unfortunately, she passed away a few years ago, too. But, um, you know, because of that, you know how Spanish people are, you know, they didn't want to break the, the family. Oh, if I stay here, then, oh, my God, what, is she, what are we going to do? She's over there. So they ended up going back. And my father was always destroyed about that. He was always like, oh, man, I really wanted dad to stay here, you know, and. I did too, to be honest with you. But anyway, um, when I was 14, he took me down there to visit. And uh, I remember, you know, he was rolling his own little cigars still. And I looked at him and I said, Grandpa, I said, you know, can you can you make me some cigars? I'm, I'm only 14 years old. I said, can you make me some cigars to take back to Florida? He said, sure. He said, go go a couple houses down in Santa Clara and visit uh, my neighbor. I can't remember the gentleman's name. And uh, I told him <laughs> I was there uh, on behalf of Ramon, just like this. And he gave me two or three, you know, nylon bags full of tobacco, different, you know, different uh, leaves. And between him and my uncle, they made about 50 cigars. They were about little coronitas, you know. I still say that they were the best cigars I ever had, you know, to be honest with you. But uh, the love and the affection, and they did it right there in the living room of the house. And these guys, you know, they were skilled rollers all their life. That's what they did, right? And uh, when it came time to make a cigar to honor him, which dad always wanted to make a cigar to honor his father. And unfortunately, he didn't. He did not get a chance to do that in his life. So, I felt like it was unfinished business. And after I made that cigar, I was like, on a, I was on a roll. I said, you know what? Now I'm going to make the cigar for Grandpa. And well, how how am I going to do it? Little pigtail, folded foot, what these guys used to call a fuma in the mm-hmm. country, a little fuma. You know, that's uh, basically it's a Churchill with with a little pigtail. But then what I was really shooting for with that cigar was more of a Cuban esque, I guess, type of blend. And, uh, you know, I tried several different blends and I didn't want to go mild because that that wasn't really his palate. He was more of a, you know, Cuban cigar. You know, it's a little stronger. And that's kind of what I was shooting for. So we we did uh, mostly Nicaraguan on this one. Um, you know, I'm not going to kind of disclose the, the secret behind the blend, but it's uh, let's just say it's a pretty unique thing I did on that one, I think. And everybody's really digging it. The rapper's Corojo, correct? Yes, it is a Corojo wrapper. Yeah, so that, I mean that definitely pays homage to the the Cuban roots. Oh yeah, that seed is renowned and famous and everything. And of course, it's been it's been taken and and um, done extraordinary things with in both Nicaragua and Honduras oh, for that God. matter. So, oh yeah, uh, and it's uh, sad because now in Cuba they can't grow it anymore because so for some years it had a, a, a I think it was blue mold got it and they just could not continue to grow it and that's uh, it's a shame. It was bad. But, I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not an agri. I'm not an agriculture. Uh, uh, an agriculturist. 
Ag- I can't even talk tonight, Arnold. Uh, <laughs> I I don't have I don't hold any degrees in agriculture or anything, but I mean, from but my understanding, and I took um, I took I took several I took several courses in college about uh, the the history of Cuba and stuff like that. Um, but one of the one of the things that I think that really that we're finally seeing the un- the unfortunate fruit of that uh the the seeds that were planted um after the revolutionaries everything was the the poor crop rotation that was really put into place oh, you yeah. know the i think the, the the sugar cane um like in the short term didn't really affect it too much can like, you imagine a business like that yeah right um i think it really destroyed the soil and and, oh, and yeah. that's why that's why corojo can't grow there anymore i mean it's just it, it's just like anything else like you know i mean for for the years situation yeah, I mean, I mean, think about it. I mean, um, what I think is really cool about what Jeff is doing in uh, at his farming farm in Claremont is bringing back you know tobacco to the state of Florida. But I guarantee oh, yeah, after huge. after thirty years of different different crop rotations and those, so like that the what we know as FSG tobacco tastes nothing probably like anyone. So like if anyone was smoking Florida cigars back in the 50s and 60s there's no way it tastes the same there's no way it's even close probably to the same product it's good i love it i'm not knocking just right. product but it's just one of those things and i'm for, fortunately for jeff is unfortunate uh for the island of cuba where the corojo just doesn't it just doesn't work anymore which is just so sad right but you know what's interesting now that you talk about jeff um so back in the day when florida grew tobacco it was grown outside of tallahassee in an area there quincy a little town called Havana, which was named Havana for Cuba. And back in like the late 1800s, early 1900s, they brought over a bunch of Cuban uh, tobacco growers and they helped, you know, in the cultivation of tobacco there. And the reason that they chose that land back then is because it was that red clay, you know, like that Georgia red clay. And it made the tobacco so, so rich in flavor. Um, As a matter of fact, John Oliva from, you know, Oliva Tobacco, he, uh, his family had a tobacco farm there for many years. Mm-hmm. And I think they use it for, for hunting or other reasons now, or other purposes. But, you know, because tobacco obviously up there went by the wayside too. But what Jeff did here in Claremont, um, you know, he brought some Cuban seeds over. He planted them. And after, you know, I don't know how many years it's been now. I think maybe six or seven or maybe even ten, I think, right? But the seeds have obviously taken on a life of their own. But the problem that Jeff has there is it's very sandy. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's almost like a swamp there in Claremont. So I remember him telling me one time he had to bring in a lot of soil, a lot of topsoil, you know, to be able to get a good crop going there. Because, I mean, Florida, it's a lot of sand. Yeah. No matter where you are. The worst part, too, is like he just he had a crop wiped out this year with a hailstorm that came through. And that I heard about that. What a shame. That's big. That's big. That's a big operation. You know, when something like that happens, you lose your whole crop. That's that's a lot of money, man. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, for him, it's I mean. I mean, for it's, 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 well, for him, this is a passion project. So it's like, it's not right. devastating to his family for, you know, oh, sure. for, fortunately, you know, just like the fire uh, that the Fuentes had earlier this year, like it's, it's, right. tra- it's tragic, but you know, it's, it's not, it's not wiping out, you know, it's not Everything. wiping out the company, thank God, but it, it, thank God. Yeah. But it still, it still sits you back. I mean, the Henderson Ventura last year that had a fire, they're starting to recoup from that. So it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, it hurts. It hurts. Yeah. No matter what. I mean, because we're talking about, because we're talking about man-made products 
And we're talking about, you know, products that, I mean, unfortunately are so susceptible to so many things. I mean, you think about, you, oh, know, yeah. you, you depend on, you depend on everything to go right. Right. You, everything that the, the seeds have to, you have to plant the right time. You know, if, if there's too much rain, that's a problem. If there's not enough rain, that's a problem. Um, you know, yeah. if the humidity is off in the barn, in the curing barns, that's a problem. They've got, you've got to right, control right. all these so many uncontrollables. And that's just to get to the tobacco to the right stage in order to use it to roll a cigar. Sure. Say, then, of course, you have to have skilled people to roll it. Oh, um, so there's so much to it. Yeah. And it's irreplaceable. Yeah. Once you, once you lose that harvest, I mean, you can't, you can't grow that again. It's, you know, it'll yeah. take another two or three years down the road, you know, and hopefully it'll be a good harvest, a good crop yeah. then, you know. It's absolutely insane. I I, I really, um, every time, I think every time that I, I, I talk to people about like a different part of the process, because I spend a lot of time on this show with com- uh, conversations with people, we're talking a lot about the finished product. And, you know, I don't do a lot. We're doing it a little bit tonight, Arnold, just because this is your first time on the show and I'm Thank you so much again for gracing gracing us with your your presence tonight. Thanks for having me, man. I don't normally I don't normally don't do a lot of wrapper binder filler just because I mean I can nerd out on that shit all day. Like I I mean I really <laughs> that uh, I mean that really we're kind of doing it now actually as we're kind of talking about tobacco and sense. But um, but um, I mean I'm really just I'm really excited about the stories and stuff which we're kind of getting into as well. Um, which, which kind of let's let's kind of go on. So I guess. In, a, in the spirit of things, we're talking about Florida tobacco, and I know there's no Florida tobacco in it, but Florida Tampa, you know, uh, the Tampa flower. Um, I think beautiful? this is, I think this is my, I think this is my favorite blend so far that you make, that I've smoked, um, uh, and that's not. I saying, love the way this turned out. Um, I love, I love everything about it. I love the, I love the label. I love the blend. Let's talk a little bit about it um, because this is, this is a, a historic brand that you were able to get the trademark, bring it back. Talk yep. a little bit more about it. Well, Florida Tampa was a, a brand that was around basically in, in the heyday of Tampa uh, back in the 1800s. Um, I believe it was probably made till about 1905 or 1906. And then it just kind of disappeared. Well, when dad was alive, you know, I, I have a, a love of history, of course, all sorts of history, but tobacco history specifically. Cuban, you know, Tampa, which was at one time, a lot of people don't know this, but Tampa made more cigars. Tampa, Florida. Ybor City made more cigars, rolled more cigars than Havana, Cuba did, which was pretty amazing. And um, I've had a lot of conversations about this with Carlito before and, you know, many people that, that know. And he's, he's obviously a wealth of information as well. Um, and uh, the deal was back in the day, um, what they were doing was they were sending the tobacco up the Gulf. And they were, you know, the tobacco came up here. Obviously, Key West was the first place, you know, because they had factories for many years. And then Tampa kind of grew after a hurricane that happened in Key West that devastated the island, you know, men like Mr. Ebor decided to kind of relocate to Ebor City uh, or to Tampa and create Ebor City, of course. But um, Florida Tampa was one of those brands that was made up here. And, you know, back in the day, it was all Cuban leaf, mostly Cuban rollers, uh, Cuban owned, I'm sure, at the time, too, from what I was able to gather. But uh, it's just really neat that we were able to make the cigar. But Cuba back then, they, they didn't have a law. Um, you know, on, on tobacco, like whole, like export of leaf, of raw material. So all the raw material came up here. And uh, those cigars, they would call them Clear Havana at the time. And the Clear Havana, they said, you know, the, the statement was, 
they were made in bond. And what that meant was that they would pay a tax, you know, to the government here, but using Cuban tobacco. It was kind of like, like a loophole, really. But then the Cuban government some years later said, well, we don't want to do that anymore. Um, we don't we don't really don't want to send that much leaf up there. So they kind of tightened things up a little bit. And then they really started cranking out more production in the island. And uh, then the Clear Havana's kind of, you know, they didn't fold all together, but there was less of them being made. And, and Florida Tampa was one of those brands. It was just a, a historic Tampa brand. Um, you know, I, I just, I, when dad was alive, we would always look at old labels and books and stuff that I have. And I remember showing this one to him and I said, I said, wow, dad, isn't this beautiful? He said, yeah. He says, boy, that would be something if we could make that cigar and bring it back, right? I said, I think it would be great. And, and again, you know, these are all things that have happened after he passed away, which I kind of feel bad about it because I'm like, wow, what a great opportunity when he was around to have done it. But, you know, he's still the inspiration for, for me doing all this, really, because he, he just he loved the history. He loved the history of Tampa, Vibor City, Cuba, cigars, of course. But uh, that's basically the history of Florida Tampa. Yeah, let's kind of dive into this. I was going to kind of wait to the end, but I think you provided a really good opportunity to chat, chat about this, Arnold, because I, the, the, this is the, the, my favorite part of, of your story is you know you guys have um you guys being your family of course i mean the, the have been involved in tobacco and cigars dating back to even prior to cuba with the canary islands if i'm not if i'm not yeah. mistaken before You're moving right. to cuba and and of course we'll get we'll get into that here in just a little bit but this 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 history goes back generations and everything and then here you and your father are running you know two stores in the Tampa area, um, two very wild, uh, widely regarded. And I mean, everyone that I've talked to you about just your retail operation too. I mean, you've garnered so much respect from some of the, the big names in the industry. We talk about your, your relationship and friendship with Carlito Fuente and other, and other, you know, other people of that, that, that fraternal old guard, if you will. And they have so much sure. they have so much respect for you and your father that um, it, it really has brought um, this incredible story to light. But my favorite part of this whole thing is that, like, well, let me just ask it this way: If y- your father obviously couldn't have lived forever, <laughs> we would have liked him to. Yeah, but, I know. But if he if if his passing hadn't happened. Would you and I be talking? Maybe not today, sure. but would you and I be talking at some point? Do you think you this would have happened eventually? I think it would have happened eventually, but a, a lot of my friends tell me that when he passed away, it's like it ignited the spark in me to do all this. And 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 to be honest with you, Bear, I've done this in like the last you know almost four years, which is amazing. Really, it's like to to have unleashed all these different cigar brands and come out with all this stuff. It was almost like I was on a, on a, on a roll. I was like, okay, now I'm going to do this one. I'm going to do that one. And I'll, I'll tell you a little secret. I got, I got other ones that I'm going to do. <laughs> I got other ones in the back burner, um, hopefully soon. But, you know, my wife says, hey, one thing at a time. You know, she's, <laughs> she's always kind of guiding me, saying, let's take it one, one step at a time. Make sure that everything is, is running the way that you want to do it. And, and like Carlito always says, you can't rush the hands of time, right? We want to make sure that they're ready to be smoked. They're, they're ready. They're cured. People are going to smoke them and say, it's a great cigar. It's, you know, that's what I want. I want them to be memorable, memorable smokes, you know, not just make a cigar for the hell of it. And, uh, 
you're right. I mean, you know, who knows when it would have happened, but um, dad was definitely more conservative. Um, for many, many years, we, we sold cigars, you know, out of the store and they were just our naked bundles. And, uh, you know, we developed quite a following with just our regular hand rolled, you know, naked bundle cigars. And uh, I think they're a good everyday cigar, uh, a good product. Because let's face it, I mean, not everybody can afford a premium cigar all the time, right? Sure. But what what I've noticed is a lot of people will, they'll still buy the bundles, uh, you know, for their golfing trips, fishing, whatever, right? Their everyday smokes. But now they're, you know, they're, uh, they're gravitating more towards the premiums. And when they try them, they come back and they say, man, Arnold, you know, that's such, such a different smoke than what I was used to from before. And they're even, you know, the regular customers appreciate the quality and appreciate what I've done. You know, it's making something different, something unique, really. But uh, I'd like to say that, you know, it's a dream come true, really, for me, especially, you know, for me to be able to do this. And, uh, you know, it's ironic because uh, when I when I created Florida Tampa, which was uh, one of the first ones, you know, that I did, Carlito actually called me and he said to me, he said, look, I'm. I've been watching what you're doing and I'm really honored and I'm very happy for you and, and keep it going, you know, and he called me that night to give me condolences on dad's passing. And, and it just kind of, wow. we started talking about everything else. I mean, what a gentleman, right? What a great person. Uh, you know, he's definitely an inspiration for me, a good friend always has been and uh, continues to inspire me and many, many other people, you know? So. It's really, it's really funny how in in life, how like I mean, the the overused term is like from the ashes of tragedy, right? Rise up, you know, the the phoenix, right? Metaphor that I was sure. kind of have, but I I think there's something to that. That's there's there's always this 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 catalyst event in our lives that kind of drive us to that next level. And and you know, I'm I may not ever be a part of something great, you know. I, I think you're a part of something great now, man. I think. Well, I'm a part of this great industry, and I love it. But I, yeah. what I'm, but the, you do so it, much for the industry. Oh, thank you very much. That's very humbling. But like the absolutely. What what I'm talking about, like too, like the there's like these catalytic events that occur in like people in like hit the timeline of history and everything that kind of get things going, and it's it's usually something. It, it, and, and a lot of times it's something incredibly positive, but and sometimes it, it's 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 tragic, right? You know, like I mean, the, unfortunately, cool. we were talking about the fire and the, the the recent the recent fire that the Fuentes happened had. You know, that's a that goes back long list of fires oh, yeah. <laughs> over over throughout, over, throughout over their century, history, yeah. yeah, over a century. Uh, theft so much of tragedy. A, theft of a huge you know container uh, filled with God knows I don't even want to know uh what they lost in there that's that's just that's just sad but like it's these it's these hard events that occur in life that i think that really kind of drive people to the next level to do things and and it it, it i think it makes the inspiration that much more awe-inspiring because you know right. in in the waking of your father's passing you know we're 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 introduced to this 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 inspiration in real time seeing you not only honor your father and your grandfather within you know the don ramon series but like bringing about these these brands that have been long forgotten you know erased to history yeah. and erased to memory like there's no one they were they were lost they were yeah, just lost no one there's no one alive today well now there is because you brought it back but until you brought it back there's no one alive today that had smoked a florida tampa cigar 
Isn't that crazy? I'll, I'll share. I'll share another great story with you. Right at the uh, at the PCA, so many great stories and and conversations with everybody, and just you know, great people. Eric Eric Newman stopped by the booth um, on the very last day, you know, to see Rich because him and Rich are great friends. They go back years as well. And uh, Eric saw the uh, the picture of La Floridana, you know, the the drawing mm-hmm. with the lady on it and stuff, you know, on the label. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me. He said, "We did business with those people." I said, "Really." I said, Eric, um, from my understanding, that company folded back in 1972 because I've, you know, I've done my research and I know, and I go, that's going back a long time, you know, and I'm so honored to be able to bring that back. And he said, yeah, that's, that's a beautiful label. It's a beautiful story. And uh, funny thing is the further I went back and researched the history of that label, it was actually a son of Mr. Ebor's named Candido, Candido Ebor with another Cuban guy named Emilio Pons. They were the creators of La Floridana. And then, uh, I mean, you're talking about early 1900s all the way to 1972. And then they also had tragedies and stuff along the way and, you know, stories of people that passed away and stuff. But it it was a a really popular brand for so many years. And then it just went by the wayside. Like, like you said, it just, it it was forgotten. Nobody ever did anything with it. And uh, I'm just so honored to bring that one back as well, you know. I feel like yeah. I'm rescuing a, a big piece of Tampa. I, I think here. you, I think, I think you are. And I think that's really great. Um, it's, it's one of the reasons why I'm so infatuated with these stories here, Arnold. And the, one of the people that I'm a really big fan of in this industry is Kirk Kendall, you know, 724 cigars in a, in a way he's doing the same thing with sure. labels that, you know, 724 was one of these, the, the brands that have been lost to time. And yeah, that hustler, was another classic brand, the hustler, you know, all of his, all of his, uh, his lines are, are, um, stuff that he that he uh brought back and and uh even the the short-lived spider which was probably my favorite cigar that he ever made and unfortunately he can't make it anymore because of other stuff but i'm not going to get into that here but um but you know that was a that the spider was a brand that was in the yeah early 1900s in new england um and it's um it's 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 really kind of beautiful you know you've mentioned mr ebor several times so we're talking about vicente martinez ebor who it started operation in key west you mentioned that um talk about uh you're so you're so learned in this area arnold i'd really kind of want to regale my audience a little bit more with uh, you know what transpired as we know tampa as the cigar city ebor city the historic district um where jc newman is headquartered and uh you know um Talk a little bit about that history before we go into his first cigar and the one that you brought back as well. Sure. Well, you know, funny thing is, um, <laughs> Carlito loves that story too. So Tampa and, and Ybor City, right? It all started because of guava trees. And <laughs> people that are watching the show today, they're going to be laughing. Some people might not even know what the hell a guava tree is. You know what a guava is, right? The little yeah. guava. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love guava. It's fantastic. Guava's, guava's great, right? I love guava, like a good guava juice. But anyway, it's a, it's a funny story because in Cuban Spanish, if somebody says to you, hey, they stuck you with a guava, it means that they lied to you. They bullshitted you. So <laughs> the story about the guava is Mr. Ebor was down in Key West. You know, he had his factory there, um, 1869. 18, uh, so he founded the brand the Prince of Wales, El Principe de Gales, in Havana in 1853. Now, what's interesting about Mr. Ebor is that he was a Spaniard, born in Valencia, Spain, but he went to Cuba at a very young age. 
um, got into the tobacco business there in Cuba, into the cigar business, learned how to make cigars. And uh, some years later, Cuba was trying to, of course, get their freedom from Spain. And he kind of fell out of grace with the Spanish government because he was helping the rebels, you know, the Cubans. And uh, basically, I mean, the Spaniards, his fellow Spaniards, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, it's incredible. His fellow Spaniards told him and said, you got to get the hell out of here because, uh, you know, they're going to come for you and they're going to get you and they're going to arrest you. So obviously, think about it. 1800s, where was the closest place for him to go? Key West. And uh, it's funny because in, our, in Key West at that time, there was already a hand, uh, you know, a handful of Cubans making cigars. Clear Havanas, like I was telling you earlier. Another one that was rolling cigars or making cigars, there was a, a Cuban guy named Eduardo Hidalgo Gato. And Arturo Fuente, Arlito's grandfather, of course, that bears the name of, of the factory. He worked at the Hidalgo Gato factory. The Gato, they used to call it the Gato factory. So he was uh, the, comp the competitor of Mr. Ebor in Key West. But um, anyway, going back to the Guavas, there was two other guys. A Spaniard named Gavino Gutierrez. He was, I believe, an engineer. And there was a Cuban guy named Bernardino Gargol. And these two guys were friends, and they were in New York City. Well, Gargol had a, a guava jelly business, which is funny, like a marmalade, marmalade business. And uh, he was in New York City, but somebody said to him, hey, guess what? There's a place in Florida called Tampa, and there's, there's wild guava trees that are growing over there. And Imagine that in the 1800s, right? He said, really? He said, well, I got to get down there and see if, see if this is real, you know, if this is a, an actual thing. So I always like to envision this in my mind, right? I got the story, like, grained in my mind. Imagine they come down, you know, the, from New York on a steamship, which they did, and that steamship came down the Atlantic, da, 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 stopped in Key West, which is down here. And when they stopped in Key West, imagine Key West in the 1800s. You know, primarily Spanish, Cubans, you know, everybody knew each other, very small town. And they happened to bump into Mr. Ebor. And, and you know, have you ever been to Key West? Have you seen like the old uh, patios there, like the, the front porch of the houses? I've, I've never, I haven't had the opportunity to visit, no, but. You, you'll love it. You got to go down there with, you know, with your family and stuff. It's a great little place to go. Very touristy, but really cute. The, uh, the, the houses there, which are the same ones that were built in Tampa in the heyday during the cigar days. They were called shotgun houses, and they were just a long house with a, with a big porch. And, uh, you know, the breeze would come, you know, from the front, of the, the front door to the back door. And uh, anyway, a lot of the old-time Cubans would play dominoes on the front porch. And that was kind of what, you know, how that went down. But um, the funny thing is I, I always like to envision that they bumped into Mr. Ebor on, on a rocking chair on, a, on one of those old Key West homes. And he was listening, and, you know, he met them, and they probably had a cup of coffee because – I mean, these guys were gentlemen, right? They drank their coffee and they had their cigars. And they probably mentioned, oh, well, we're going to be going to Tampa tomorrow on the steamship. And, and then he said, well, can I come with you guys? Oh, yeah, it'd be an honor. So here he meets these two guys. They get on the boat together. They come up to Tampa. Mr. Ebor buys 40 acres. And those 40 acres became Ebor City. So, I mean, what a great story. And then, of course, he moved his factory from Key West to, uh, to Tampa, which at the time, there was a, a magnate here um, named Henry Plant, and Henry Plant was uh, responsible for making the um, the railways, you know, the railroad here in Tampa. Right, among other things, Fort Fort Brook, right? That was the point of station, right. right? Yeah, among other things, and then you know Henry Flagler was on the east coast of Florida, so the idea was that all the trains were going to connect, and Mr. Ebor saw the opportunity. He's like, you know, I'm in Key West. I'm a little bit more isolated down there. 
it was being a little bit of a problem for him to get his products to the rest of the country. So he figured Tampa would be a great hub for him. And I mean, he built a beautiful brick building, which still stands today. It's obviously not a cigar factory anymore, but I mean, what a testament of time to go there and see this. at, At one time, it was the biggest cigar factory in the world. It was a whole block long. And that building is still there. It encompasses a whole block. It's unbelievable. It's That's unbelievable. Crazy. Yeah. You know, it's... And it's... Uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Finish oh. your story because then I'll make a comment. I was just going to say, uh, you know, an afterthought, uh, which was huge, of course, too. Uh, Cuba's Patriot leader was a gentleman named Jose Marti. He was like the George Washington of Cuba. Right. Well, he came, to, he came to Tampa, I think it was 22 times because he was based in New York City at the time. And when he would come, he would come to Tampa, he'd come to Key West and rally support for the troops. And every cigar maker during that time, I, I want to say that the, the number, which is amazing, back then, I think it was about 80 cents or a dollar they would donate per week out of their salary. And with that money, that was the money that they gave towards the cause of Cuban freedom. And uh, the reason that I brought him up is because there's a very famous picture of Mr. Uh, Jose Marti and Mr. Ebor. In the factory, standing outside the brick building, uh-huh. and it's uh, it's it's unbelievable. It's like you know one of those old shadow box pictures from the day. And uh, just recently, some people have come forward, you know, descendants of some of the people in the picture, and they said, "Oh, that was my uncle, that was my grandfather," and they've been able to pinpoint some of the people in the picture. But cool. it's just such an iconic picture, and it just goes to show how much of a of a huge part of Cuban history and, and Tampa history Mr. Ebor was. And um, I have a friend of mine who's the one that painted the label for my grandfather's cigar, you know, he's a, a lover of history and he's in Cuba, Milton. And uh, Milton said to me, he said, you know, it's unbelievable that, that Mr. Ebor here in Cuba is not even, nobody talks about him. He's, he's forgotten. And it's obviously, I don't want to get into politics, but it's part of the whole thing with the regime and, you know, wiping out the history and stuff. But, uh, you know, for me, it's like, I'm, I'm rescuing history and down there, they don't even talk about it. It's, it's very sad. You know, it, it's so funny. Like, um there's a there's a very famous uh there it's in the godfather part two right and it's the very famous scene where um where michael corleone is talking to uh oh gosh now i want to forget the character's name and i've seen it a thousand times um but it's so hyman to hyman roth hyman roth thank you thank you thank you for the assist here so hyman roth and they're talking about that boy yeah, so Hyman Roth is talking about the city of Las Vegas, and he's talking about the fictional character of Mo Green and how Mo Green, who it was actually Bug, you know, Bugsy Siegel that you know, that uh, yeah, that yeah. Uh, that created Las Vegas, but that's who the Mo Green in this fantasy world is, is supposed to be. And and he says he talks about, and it's true. Like in the city of Las Vegas exists today. We were just there a couple of weeks ago. And there's not a statue. There's not a plaque. There's nothing about you know bugsy siegel who created and obviously he had a very checkered past and everything like that but at the same time there's not even anything to commemorate the person that built it and that reminds me when i hear about the story of uh of 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 mr ebor it's it is like other than the name of a name of the the city which is you know obviously been um uh it's been um man i am losing sight of my english language tonight but like um um but it's part of the city of tampa now obviously oh yeah huge history um but that's the only that's the only commemorative part of it is just the name of the of the we have uh 
we got a few statues. Um, as a matter of fact, I don't know if I told you, Mr. Ebor's great-grandson is a gentleman named Raphael. Raphael is the last descendant of the Ebor family. He's 94 years old, and I stay in touch with him. I speak to him at least twice a week. And uh, his wife passed away earlier this year, so he's, he's kind of sad about, obviously, very sad about that. So he doesn't really get out much. I mean, he's 94 years old. When I told him two years ago that I was bringing back his great-grandfather's brand, he was just ecstatic. He said, Arnold, he goes, I never thought in my lifetime that I'd see this brand come back again. And here you are bringing it back. I'm so honored. And, and, and I'll, I'll share this with you, too. Mr. Ebor is, is buried in a cemetery called Wood, um, Woodlawn Cemetery. Or, or I'm sorry, Oaklawn, I think it is. Out, right in downtown Tampa, which is, you know, back then it was not downtown, but it was that's where it is now, right? It was just a little part of Tampa. And I went up there to his tomb and I said, you know, I'm going to bring the cigar back. And I know you're watching. And I go, I, I, you know, I said, I want you to at least, you know, help me out from wherever you are. Just give me a hand. I want it to be a little bit successful. Not, I said, just a little bit, not as much as when you had it. Because like I said, it was the most famous brand of Cuban cigars in its time. I mean, wow, what an honor, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, his great grandson still cleans his tomb. You know, the, the tomb and, and the burial site. He has it cleaned once a year, freshened up, painted. Um, and then he, he was responsible. Raphael was a great man. He was, he was a banker. And I, I, I even asked him, I said, I'm surprised you didn't bring this brand back. He said, Arnold, I'm not a cigar man. He goes, uh, you know, that got lost in my family. He goes, I was a banker, very educated man. You know, he was born in Havana. And then after the revolution, him and his wife came here, Cecilia. And, uh, you know, they settled in Tampa. Very respectable people. They were members of the Rotary Club here in Ybor City. Uh, very decent people. And uh, he had a bust made for his great-grandfather. And then the other one that was made, which is right at the entrance of Ybor City, um, he was instrumental in getting that one made as well. So at least, you know, Cuba, unfortunately, like I said, they have their, their thing going on down there, with, which I don't agree with, obviously. But at least here in, in the Tampa area, we, you know, we definitely uh, come commemorate, I guess is the word, all this beautiful history because Tampa and Ybor City is the cradle of Cuban independence. And it's all intertwined together. You know, all, all these guys fighting for the history or for the freedom of Cuba back then, cigar makers. I mean, it's, it's, it's our history. It's our, mm -hmm. and for me, especially it's like, it's like my passion, you know, like I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> the, the, uh, the word I was looking for earlier was annexation. So Ybor annexation, City, right. yeah, yeah, Ybor City has been annexed into the city of Tampa. Um, yep, they sure did. Yeah. But, what's what's going on in this country right now a lot with some of these older neighborhoods and stuff and and, and in a lot of ways it's cool because you, you you get really historic neighborhoods that have been refurbished and the gentrification is the modern word for it you know regentrified and everything right. um and in some ways it, it it erases a lot of the history what i really liked about ebor the time the, the times that i've been there is that they've 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 definitely clung to that and that was the, that's the sad part is like you look at you know you 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 stand on the steps of like the J.C. Newman factory, the Overlow factory there. So much history. It's, so much. it's the last standing one. It's the last one in oh, there yeah. for that in that forty acres that you talked about. There were more cigar factories per capita than anywhere else in the planet. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that wild? I mean, it just yeah. it's mind boggling. And they just like it's for people who've been down to like let's let's use use Esteli as an example like if you go down to Esteli now in the last uh, in the last 25 years uh there's been so many pop-up factories you know there's still still the big ones you know you know, you know Perdomo Jurastate right. 
my father, et cetera, like all these big ones. And then, but there's so many small ones too. Like even, like even smaller than like Nico Sueño that like Skip Martin, Mike Rosales run, like smaller than that, even that have popped up. And that still is dwarfed. Like as many of cigar factories as are, are in Esteli and if people who've been to Esteli, they know what I'm talking about. As many factories as are there now, that number is dwarfed by what was inside that 40 acres in Ybor city. It's Isn't that unbelie- crazy? unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And you, you want to hear another funny, another funny fact about that is that uh, a lot of the buildings, they were built east to west because of the way the breeze was and stuff mm-hmm. and, 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 and the sun, because, you know, back then they needed to be able to use as much sunlight as they could. And most of the factories, and I believe the Newman's factory, and I know Carlito's factory, the, the old Charles the Great factory, has a lookout tower up on top. And you know what that was for? When the boat, when the boats would come, the ships would come from Cuba with the tobacco. They'd go up there and see if the ship had come into the harbor, into the port. And that was their way to know that the tobacco was already here. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, they couldn't text them on their phone to let them know they were there. (laughs) (laughs) Times, man. My God. But people, they they, they were so smart with the stuff they did back then, you know. So creative. And I mean, it was really, I mean, what what Mr. Ebor built and eventually led to what, what Tampa is today. You know, Tampa is, you know, one of... I mean, it, tourism is probably its number one uh, export now, um, and and definitely its sure. it, its biggest contributor to the economy. But but there's still 15 billion dollars that goes through that port every year. 15 billion. Amazing, huh? It's crazy. The the other thing he, that I, he laid the foundation. He laid the foundation for the city. Yeah. I mean, I always tell people, I go, you know, that's why I always feel good about lighting up a cigar anywhere in Tampa. And I go, cigars built this town. I mean, that's what it's about, man. I mean, where else can you say that, you know, in, in the United States like that? Right. It's just the, unbelievable. Uh, you mentioned Jose Marti, which is a, an iconic person in Cuban history uh, and his relationship to Mr. Ebor as well. Um, I love this. This is this is a fun fact for audience. Too. And you, you, uh, being a son of Tampa, you know this, and it's probably, probably ingrained in you. But you can actually go to Cuba without using your passport. And you won't get yeah. in trouble for it. You can do it in the city of Tampa. There is a, but right. uh, it's a park with the that bears Marti's name, right? So I don't know how big it is, but it's a small park that small is park. actually technically, not technically, it actually is Cuban soil. It's now you, you know the funny the funny thing about that park is the building right across the street is is Mr. Ebor's factory. It's mm-hmm. right across the street from the park. But the reason that that park was built on that land is because there was a boarding house there. And the boarding house belonged to a to an Afro-Cuban lady, a black Cuban. Her name was Paulina Pedroso. And Mrs. Pedroso, every time Jose Marti would come to town, he would stay at her at his at her boarding house. Paulina and Ruperto Pedroso was the name of the couple that had the, the property. And um, you know, one time the Spaniards, because <laughs> there was a, you know, there was both sides. There was a lot of Spaniards and Cubans, and there were some Italians, of course, in Ybor City as well. And every faction kind of had their own little thing going on, right? Well, there were spies for the Spanish government in Tampa at the time, and they poisoned Jose Marti. And believe it or not, the Pedrosos were the ones that nurtured him back to health. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, of course, in 1902, Cuba became free and everything else. And then there was a big movement to get that park and donate that land to the, you know, Republic of Cuba. And still, after all these years, I think it was in the 50s that that happened, because it was during Batista's time. Um, Cuba has never maintained that park. 
So, you know, there's a few uh, human organizations here that they go there, they clean it up, they fix up the greenery and, you know, they've, they've had it maintained all these years. But you're right. Once you go into that park, you're stepping into a, a park that belongs to a foreign government, which is the only foreign government in the, in the United States that has a piece of land like that. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, the, the only thing close to it's actually outside of my hometown um, in El Paso, Texas. Uh, it's called the Chamisal. Uh, and it used to be known as no man's land because the Rio Grande, uh, the, the Rio Grande, which separates the United States and Mexico, Texas and Mexico. Sure. Um, before it was, you know, canaled and everything, and, and it was somewhat controlled. Is that every couple of years, the uh, the river would wash over, and it would. There's this section of land called the Chamisal. It's it's it's. I think I've heard I, of should, it. I should know this. I think it's about 17 acres. I might be wrong about that, but 17 acres of land essentially um, that, um, you know, at some point you would be in Mexico. If you lived on that land, you lived in Mexico. And then a couple years later, you would live in the United States. And so it, it became wow. this no man's land. And now it's, funny, it, it, it still is. It still is. It's not, it's, it's maintained by both governments. But it is it is truly free land, like there's That's there's really no yeah there's no controlling government of it. So, um, and and now there's this you know international park there, and they hold music festivals and stuff like that. And it's 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 a cool spot. They've really done both governments have done a really good job of maintaining. It. It's pretty cool. But my my part of my family story is my great great grandfather had uh, owned a house at the, uh, the North end of the Chamisal. And, uh, so he was one of these people that was Mexican and American, depending on, depending on the way that the river flowed, uh, the way the tide came in. <laughs> yeah, though, exactly. So, um, and, uh, they, uh, they moved, they moved to the Mexican side years later and, uh, owned a large, but just on the, just on the other side of the border too. Um, and, um, um, as the story goes in my family, he was friends quotation marks for people listening later. They can't hear me say this. He was friends um, with Pancho Villa. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And the reason That's I put amazing. The things in, in, in quotation marks is that, you know, Pancho Villa and his many, his many raids of the United States, he would come across the border and he would use my grand among other farms and ranches along the border. He used my grandfather, my great, great grandfather's land. Uh, to to basically rest his men and you know and it was it was it was a good exchange of friendship because he was like we're gonna stay here and in, in exchange for you know letting us stay here we won't kill you so that's you know it was it was sure. a good for it was a good friendship you know quality based on trust people so, always <laughs> negotiated right even back then especially especially back then oh boy so we're talking well, about man, the- Mexico was so yeah. big back then you know I was looking at a map the other day and it stretched you know from California to mm-hmm. You know, all the way out to New Mexico and, you know, further parts, south in Central America. Parts of Colorado, was, Nevada. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, Utah even, yeah. Uh, portions of that. Like, it was, it was massive. It was a massive. It was, ma- it was massive. Yeah. yeah. So, California especially. The, uh, but this was, this was Mr. Ebor's brand, the Prince of Wales, the Principe de Gaius. Um, yep. um Why is it named after the Prince of Wales? Okay, um, so I asked Mr. Ebor's great-grandson that question. I said, wow, what was the deal? Well, back then, I guess in the 1800s, um, 
the Prince of Wales was, uh, hold on a second, it was Charles's great-great-grandfather. I want to say it was Edward is who it was. Or I think it was Edward or George. But anyway, he was like a bachelor. And, um, you know, he was a baby. But he was very famous. It was always in the news, I guess, at that time. And uh, Mr. Ebor saw it in, in like a newspaper. And it just kind of caught his attention. And it just, you know, it was, a, it was an amazing, like, story back then. And uh, he just decided to name it the Prince of Wales. And there was no connection. I mean, he was Spanish. And, you know, Prince of Wales is English, of course. Of course. Or Welsh, right? And uh, just an amazing story. And, you know, I've, I've even asked myself the question. Excuse me. I've said, I wonder if the Prince of Wales at the time, if he smoked a cigar, if they knew about this brand back then. You know, I'm sure because think about it, Havana cigars, right? They were the, the most famous cigars. And mm-hmm. this is a brand that, that goes back to Havana to 1853. So I'm sure that even the Prince of Wales at one time, you know, maybe smoked these cigars. But we haven't been able to confirm that. Even Raphael has said he thinks so, but he's not 100% sure. Very cool story. But uh, it, is, it really is cool. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know if you've seen some of the ads that I've posted and stuff. Like I, there was some historical ads and you'll see you know, the Prince of Wales at the time wearing his, you know, uniform, his uh, officer's uniform and with a feather in his hat and on a horse and just, man, they're just so royal, such a, such a, a regal brand, you know, mm-hmm. such a, yeah, such, such a time honored brand. Yeah. Elegant, a, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the, I, you know, I spent some time in the UK uh, just a few weeks before the PCA and, uh, and oh, I uh, saw that. Yeah. And how was I mean, it? Oh, it's, it's great. It was absolutely great. The, it was awesome. the, the, I mean, we talk about the history of things, you know, here and stuff. It's, you know, we're talking about the 1800s, which is like, that's a fucking long time ago. <laughs> like, it was a long time ago, man. Right. Yeah, you know, it was a long time ago. So I'll give, so I'll give you, I'll give you some nuggets here. So like the, uh, my wife is part of the church choir. And that's why we were over there. We were doing a, they were doing a tour. I don't sing. My wife was sings. And uh, she got to sing in some pretty, some pretty amazing places, including St. Michael's church. Uh, and that was built in 1592. Wow. Yeah. The chapel at Sterling Castle, which is a thousand years old. That's even that's even more amazing. Yeah. Crazy, right? So Unbelievable. I, had, I had the opportunity to climb the William Wallace William Wallace Monument, which Arnold, that's a fucking trek. I'm gonna tell you, man. It's like 248 <laughs> steps straight up. Um, wow, but that's not even the hard part. The hard part is climbing up the hill to get to the monument. Oh, that's then, uh, I'm getting, I'm up, getting tired just listening to, to get, face. yeah. So, but I get up to the top and you know, there's it, it's really great, but like it's 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 a beautiful view and it's a lot of history as well. And you can see Sterling Castle from the top of the monument, and the monument is the youngest thing I saw. It's wow. The youngest thing I saw. Yeah, because everything is so old. Yeah. 1845. 15 years before the Civil War in this country broke out. 15 years before right. or 10 years before the Prince of Wales cigar. <laughs> that's the youngest thing I saw. That's, just... that's crazy. <laughs> that's, that's wild, man. You go to Europe, everything is so old. Everything's so they old. even say it. They even say it over there. Like, you know, the United States is uh, new. Yeah, compared to the Europe, it, it's we're, true. We're we're babies, man. It's crazy. Everything. We're babies. Yeah, but it's, um, it's amazing. 
with some great history. So speaking of history, we're going to jump segments here and we're going to come back to your experience at PCA and a couple of other things. Thank you so much for walking us through your portfolio. Arnold, what history? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for everything. Yeah. Appreciate what, it. What incredible history, some great cigars. Um, um, I'm about Thank half, you, bro. a little past halfway through the uh, the 1942. Uh, How's um, it smoking? Oh, fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. I really, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Really, really, I've just really enjoyed all of these cigars and getting to know your portfolio. Um, I don't, there, there, there's not, I don't get to say this too often. There's nothing in the portfolio that I don't like. Um, Thank you. And, um, and I'm not just saying that because you're here. I mean, everything hits, everything hits and it's, they're just, I appreciate that. Thank Um, you. So we're going to go into our presidential trivia segment, which is of course, always brought to you by United Cigars. Um, They are, of course, distributors of featuring La Gianna Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, the Firecracker, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. So smoke one today and start living united. So before becoming president, here's the question here, Arnold. Before becoming president, this future executive launched his self-recruited military force out of the city of Tampa. Before going to war, which president am I talking about? Is it A, Dwight Eisenhower, B, John F. Kennedy, C, Teddy Roosevelt, or D, Ulysses S. Grant? I would say it's Teddy Roosevelt. It is Teddy Roosevelt. Fantastic. Yeah. So, as a matter of fact, he stayed. He stayed at the uh, at the El Pasaje Hotel. Is where is where he stayed with the Rough Riders. Or yeah, mm-hmm. the Rough, Rough Riders, Riders, exactly. Yeah, he recruited yeah. the Rough Riders here in my home state, Texas, San Antonio, Texas, in a hotel called the Manger, owned by a German family down in San Antonio. I have, I, one of, I'm, I smoked a cigar on my honeymoon in the Manger bar two months before wow. they outlawed smoking indoors in San Antonio. So I was one of the last people to smoke inside the Manger bar. That uh, was really oh, cool. So beautiful town, though. Yeah, beautiful city. Um, but that's that's where uh, that's where Teddy re- uh, recruited a lot of his uh, a lot of his Rough Riders. They went down oh, yeah. to Florida, stayed at the hotel that you're talking about in Tampa, and then from Tampa they went down to Cuba. Down to Cuba, mm-hmm. San Juan Hill. As a matter of fact, the uh, the Cuba Libre, right, the rum and coke, was made famous in in Santiago de Cuba to celebrate, you know, the freedom of Cuba. It was you got the rum from Cuba and you got the coke from uh, the United States. And they put it together, and it was the Cuba Libre. Yeah, and that's where that cocktail came from, too. <laughs> it. I love the history of Coke and the Cuban people. So I've had the opportunity to have a conversation with Rafael Nodal a few times on this show, and Rafael talks Great guy. about yeah. Good friend. Rafael, Raphael talks about the story of when him, you know, it was the uh, the Great Migration. So this was you know a couple decades after the revolution, obviously in the um, the late fifties, and you know families. Had, you know, the Fuente family, Padrons, Placencias, et cetera, had all left at that point. And they were starting their stories, trying to find out where to grow the next great tobacco, right? And that's much dialogue. But the few years later, Rafael, his family, and hundreds of other families, you know, came uh, to, to, to Florida in this great migration that allowed uh, the Cuban government basically gave the free pass to all these, these, uh, these people, yeah. right? The Marielle, Marielle yeah, Boatlift. Yeah. Exactly. So they were the Marielle Boatlift, and they were greeted at the American border with a meal. 
Very simple meal. An apple and a Coke. Coca-Cola. Coke. I mean, there's nothing more American than both things, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, they should have at least made a apple pie, but that, you know, that's just me. But um, <laughs> that, that would have been pushing it, though, but that would have been great. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure he was happy to get both. It's yeah. And, and, and no, but it's really funny. Like to this day, Raphael's got a soft spot. You know, he's got he's a man of well-refined tastes. He loves he loves oh, yeah. he loves food and he loves all kinds of classical uh, trained pianist as well. Yes. Unbelievable. Plays the piano. Unbelievable. What a what a great guy. Yeah. Just a very great person. Very knowledgeable. Very educated. It's always great to have, you know, to spend time with him. And he still so. drink. He still drinks Coca-Cola. Like it's his thing. And he still drinks Coke. Yeah. yeah he loves that. Of because of, because of that. And it's. And, and he makes a hell of a great cigar, right? I mean, aging room <laughs> is one of the best. Plus all the other ones now that mm-hmm. him and AJ have collaborated on. Oh, unbelievable. The, uh, did you get a chance to smoke the new Monte Cristo uh, Diamante? No, I haven't, but I hear it's really, really great. I got a chance to smoke it and it was, it was really good. I I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm still a, a bigger fan of the original 1935 that he released a couple of years ago. Oh, but, that was a good smoke. But the, yeah. the, the Diamante is a, the Diamante is for, if you thought that cigar was too, uh, too full, it's very full body, full flavored. And if it's a little wow. out of your wheelhouse, the Diamante takes it a step back. It's much more nuanced, still incredible flavor. Um, but it's it. really nice cigar. Beautiful, beautiful smoke. Fantastic cigar. But, um, a crack. but yeah, I love I love the history of Coca-Cola and Cuban people. It's 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 funny how it's there. Yeah. Yeah. So the Cuba Libre all the way to uh the Mariana boat lift. And it's now you want to hear the you want to hear the irony of Coca-Cola with Cubans? Please. The 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 CEO of Coca-Cola for like 20 something years was a Cuban guy named Roberto Goisueta. And he That's passed right. away, I think it was back in the early 2000s, I think it was. Yeah. And he was responsible for many, many, uh, you know, accomplishments at the, fa- at the, at the company. But the one thing that he did that was bad was um, the new Coke. I don't know if you remember that, the new Coke back in mm-hmm. the 80s. And uh, that was a flop. So that was the only thing that he did that didn't really take off. But he was instrumental in the company. And um, he actually came from my dad's same town, Santa Clara. He worked his way up in Cuba, you know, in Coca-Cola. And then when the revolution happened, then he left Cuba, went to the Bahamas, I think. And he worked there. And then he worked his way up, all the way up to CEO of the company. So what an amazing con- uh, connection, right? Yeah. And uh, he donated a lot of his fortune, or the family did, to um, Emory, Emory University in Atlanta. Oh, okay. They have a whole, a whole school of business called the Roberto Goizueta School of Business. So that's pretty honorable. That's 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 right that's cool yeah it's, um the uh my day job is headquarter uh our headquarters is down in atlanta and i've so i've i've spent some time down there oh wow that's really um that's really cool the um don't don't quit your day job right like they always <laughs> uh i love podcasting man and it's but no it doesn't it it doesn't pay as much as the day job so i gotta pay them gotta pay the mortgage man uh but the uh i know we kind of digress here but that was our presidential trivia segment which is always brought to you by united cigars uh featuring la giana Ven and distributors of jose dominguez bandolero garofalo firecracker and the highly acclaimed atabay byron and now alfonso lines from selected tobacco smoke one today and start living united and Gar- uh, garofalo is another one that's uh about the historic brands too yeah he's a big fan united cigars bringing that back yeah in. Well, and Red Anchor, Red Anchor goes back to the 1700s. 
I was reading about that just a few days ago. It's funny that you mentioned that. Wow. It's really cool. Yeah, I was I was I was so glad that they brought they brought out some new Vitolas and they're making it regular production because last year they released the Red Anchor as this limited release. And I was really sad because I was like, man, that's so much history. That's so awesome. That sucks that they're only going to do a limited. And, you know, like a lot of the cigar industry, limited doesn't always mean limited. But I I'm glad they recognize the success of it. Like I'm not that's not a dig because I think it's I I'm so in love with the history of cigars and everything so the fact that they're bringing that and making that regular production is a very united thing to do uh which is really sure. cool so um i'm 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 hoping i'm hoping they do they find some other gems like that that's that's pretty that's pretty cool um what a great what a great story mm-hmm. it really is um so arnold we've been we've been talking quite a bit over the last few weeks and months and stuff and uh, up in anticipation of meeting at the trade show and then obviously you know uh, you know, having you on the show tonight and everything. And, and, you know, you've talked, we've talked a lot about tonight and we've talked a lot in private about your, your friendship, of course, with Carlito and, and some other folks there in Tampa. And obviously your, your, your knowledge and of the history of, of your hometown is, is, you know, second to none here. Um, Thank you. But what's really uh, um, what we've, I've kind of coined as we've kind of talked about is, is the Tampa sticks together. You know, Carlito is a big supporter Absolutely. of you and, uh, because you guys come from the same town and, and it, you know, he, he recognizes the importance of Tampa as you do and, and the Newmans of course, and, and, and people of the like, but uh, um, you know, so when I approached you about tonight's next uh, segment, which, which was, which of course is our charity charity segment, um, you selected the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which of course is founded and run by the Newman and Fuente families. Um, but what were some other reasons why you wanted to talk about? We featured it before in the past, so people may be familiar with it. But why is it important to you, and why did you want to talk about it tonight? I mean, it's funny because when I was at the trade show, I, I spoke to several folks that are, are instrumental, you know, in the foundation down there in the Dominican with what Carlito's doing. And I mean, it's just to hear the testimony, you know, testimonies of, of the stuff that they've done down there. It's like they've they've really changed lives, like people's lives. And you hear these stories and, and you see what they've done. I mean, now um, and I'm sure maybe Tony's watching the show. He's a dear friend of Carlitos, too. Um, Tony Cattingill, you know, he, he was telling me about a technical school that they're going to be breaking ground on any day now. And it's like they're doing a school of the arts, a technical school. Um, I mean, this is a place that, you know, may, 20 years ago, it didn't even exist, you know, it was in its infancy. And uh, they basically took a very rural, poor area where, you know, people were, were really struggling, you know, and they've given these people an opportunity. They've given them education. They've, they've changed their lives. Rich Myberg, you know, like you had mentioned earlier, my, my dear friend and, and sales director, he, he's a big proponent of a Cigar Family Charitable Foundation. He's one of the original members, actually, uh, founding members as well. And, um, you know, he's told me firsthand, he goes down there once a year to see the kids and and he's like arnold he goes these people you know some years ago they didn't have anything and and they were always happy no matter what he goes but now these kids have an opportunity now you know these there's no telling where where this can lead i mean these these people could be like tony even says they could be the next president of the country in, in a few years you know so it's like you give people an opportunity and you give them education and you help them and it's just unbelievable the stuff that they can accomplish so that you know, I feel that, that, that it's really a great organization, a great charity, and uh, you know, the, the Fuentes have done so much to help these people. I mean, there's there's stories of of kids that have come out of that area there that you know, they one kid, um, Emilio was his name. The kid was, uh, I think he had a tumor, he had a brain tumor, 
And Carlito, you know, he got on the phone with St. Jude. And he got the kid. He brought him over here. He got operated. And he, you know, he helped us save this kid's life. And when you hear, you know, stories like this, you know that it's a really great organization. It's a really great charity. It works, you know. So that's why I, I kind of wanted to go that route with them. It's it's such an incredible foundation, and 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 what's really great about like these families and stuff, and the you know the Dominican, Nicaragua, Honduras, and there's a lot of great charities run by a lot of great families in this in the in this industry. But what's really great about them, and specifically tonight, since we're talking about the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, is that you know these families and in, in this industry has brought so much to these impoverished countries, right? They've given, they've gotten, they've gotten so much from the land. They've they've brought so much to the to the to the countries already. I mean the 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 economy of Nicaragua, for example, and and the Dominican too, and Honduras owes so much to the cigar industry. And yet, yet, you know, Carlito and Eric and Bobby, and uh, you know, they're of course their fathers. You know, so that's not enough. You know, we we want to give back even more, and we and you know to create a foundation like this. Exactly, and like you said they they they've brought healthcare, they've brought education. They're 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 also bringing culture too. Like they're they're also they're also breaking ground on 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 a school of music, I believe. Or 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 yeah, as a matter of fact, I think Sandoval is going to be down there when that mm-hmm. when that happens. Now he's yeah. involved with the two year Arturo Sandoval. Um, yeah. So it's it. It, it's incredible that what cigars have brought, you know, Carlito has built some incredible relationships that have, have oh, yeah. surpassed the cigar Huge. industry. We talk about Arturo Sandoval being one, but like, you know, the, the people at Hublo, which is a, un, I mean, right. I mean, I mean, let's, I mean, it's a luxury band of luxury bands. It's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's in the same vein as Rolex, you know, my God. Yeah. It's yeah. huge. You know, also, I mean, he rubs elbows with you know with royalty in the Middle East and and oh, yeah. stuff. It's and and Dubai. all over this world, you know, yeah, in Dubai and stuff. But it's you know, I mean, these are very powerful, important people with an extraordinarily amount of wealth, and that's you know that's great. But it's it's phenomenal. You know, it it it's great for the Fuente family, but even more so what it what what he's doing and giving back to the people that have brought him that opportunity, um, you know, just shows exactly what this industry is about. It's about giving back and, and to, to make it full circle yeah. here, Arnold. I mean, this, this, you know, in, in no smart, in no small measure, you know, you're giving back to your father who gave you this opportunity, you know, by honoring him with Thank the you. cigar that I'm smoking and the, the brands that you're bringing with the, the Serafin de Cuba, you know, portfolio of cigars and, and bringing portfolio, you know, bringing premium cigars, to market, you know, you know, that, you know, again, we haven't seen in over a century in some cases, you know, brands were bringing back to life. This is, this is, this is a great story. You know, it's awesome. What so, just, just started as an idea, right? It just started as an idea is a, is a reality now, you know, and I couldn't be happier about that, to be honest with you. And in Carlito, you know, going back to the, the, fa- the foundation, like you said, I mean, it's, for him, it's all about giving back and helping people. And, and he's such a great person. I mean, I mean, who do you know that's so busy like that? You know, this man is like the busiest person in the world, and he still finds time to to dedicate time to the foundation and the kids. And wow, it's like it's huge. It's like he always says, it's "Not about the cigars, it's about the people." It's about the people. Yes, yeah. but he but he's he's real. Like it's the real deal. 
Like he means it, you know? He does. Well, I mean, even the story you were telling earlier about it, you know, he's incredibly busy, as you mentioned. You know, he hears he hears about his old friend, your father, passing away yep. a few years ago. He picks up the and phone and calls me. That was picks up the, picks up the phone calls you. You know? Beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful. Yeah. I so, was touched, you know. Uh, absolutely. So to again to to bring this back to you know the launch of Serafin de Cuba cigars that you've been now been doing for a couple years now, but is you're you're really steamrolling, you're gaining traction, and so you decide to uh, to bring them to the PCA trade show, and so you you come to the PCA trade show as a vendor for the first time. Have you been to any trade shows prior to this? As a as a as yeah a yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, love, well, not not as not as an exhibitor. Um, of course, but I had been there before to help out my friends at Florida Gonzalez, um, some other brands as well. I don't, Louis from La Tradición Cubana, Louis Sanchez. He, uh, I don't know if you've if you've dealt with Louis before. He has a little factory down in Miami. Great guy, makes great cigars too. I helped him out some years some years ago through a friend of ours, Benny Gomez, who had a cigar called Casa Gomez, which is no longer in production, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, going back before that, Florida Gonzalez, Yali, her dad. They took me to the to the RTDA back then, and uh, you know I went a couple of years and I helped them out and it was it was great. But you know, like I said, for me to to be able to come to PCA this year was a dream come true. You know, it really was. And uh, it, it's funny because I had told Rich, I said, Rich, you know, he he became uh, our, our salesman. You know, back in March, I think it was, and he did a great job. You know, getting folks in there and uh, opening up accounts, which which is amazing, right? In such a little bit of time. And uh, he said to me, he said, we, we got to go to PCA. And I said, Rich, I don't know if, I, if I'm going to be able to do it this year. He says, Arnold, you got to do it. You got to do it. You know, and I said, you know what? He pushed me and, and I said, you're, you're right. Let's do it. And, and I, I tell you what, you know what? We went and I think it was a successful event for me. I mean, a small little small company like mine. And, and, you know, we opened up a good amount of accounts and we gave out a lot of samples. We talked to a lot of people. You helped, you know, you came by and, and did the story on us too, which I'm very grateful for. And, uh, you know, other ones as well, even a Spanish magazine out of Mexico. I don't know if you saw it, uh, Latino magazine, Umo Latino. They were mm -hmm. there. They did a little story on us too. Oh, that's great. And very nice guys. Very nice guys from Mexico. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was just a dream come true really. And, and for me to be at the PCA, you know, like I told my friend Fernando, who was at the booth, I don't know if you, if you remember meeting him, he was there with me. Mm -hmm. And I said, Fernando, I said, you know, wow, here we are. And I told my friends yesterday that when we were hanging out at the store. I said, wow, we're on the biggest stage right here. I mean, here we are with the big guys. I was like, wow. I wish I wish dad could see it, but I think he is. I think he's watching. Well, it was just, and, you know, I don't want to bore our audience with this, but it was such a great location for you, too. Like, you were, you were really it in the thick location. of it. You were really in the thick of it. You know, it, you didn't have an ostentatious booth. It wasn't very big, obviously. And that's, you're a small company, and that's, there's, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And, but it was like in the middle of everything. I mean, you had, <laughs> you were right next door to, to Chaz Palmentary, man, who was launched to Bronx. I know. How great was that? Right? Like, what, a, that, what a gentleman, by the way. What a gentleman. Yeah. I know we got to meet him at the same time. So that was, that was a really cool opportunity. Um, that was cool. Um, but it was really you know, great. You know what he said to me when I walked up to him? I said, you know, Mr. Palmentary, thank you very much. You know, I gave him, uh, shook his hand and stuff. And I said, I'm a, I'm a big fan of your movies, you know, Bronx Tale especially. I love it. And he looked at me, he said, you know, Bronx Tales is a story about my family, uh, an immigrant family. Mm -hmm. And then I looked at him and I said, well, my family is an immigrant family, too. 
from Cuba, my father, my grandfather. And he looked at me, he said, well, that's great. You know, and we shook hands. It was just really a great little moment there. You know, mm-hmm. what a, what a gentleman. I what, really enjoyed him. I, what I love to, and he probably said it, I don't know, probably a couple hundred times to people and everything. But when we had the end of chance to interview him is that a Bronx tale is, 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 is an immigrant story, but it's more than that. It's an American story. And for sure. And I looked around the room when he said that I, I took a moment and I kind of looked around the room and I was like, there's so many of those stories right here. Oh my God. Right here at the PCA. Yeah. It's an American, like you said, it, like he said, it's an American story. It's a, it's an immigrant story, but it's an American story. And you're part of that. Too. It's a beautiful story. Thank you. So many great stories in the industry, right? I mean, you people that came penniless, I mean, from Cuba and, and like you said, some of the guys that, you know, that I really looked up to back in the day, you know, uh, Ramon Cifuentes from Partagas, you know, he passed away and Jorge Orlando Padron, you know, great guy too. And, just legendary, legendary people, man. Great stories. I mean, came here, it, it touches home. You know, it's the same thing with my family, your family, like you said. You know, they came here for an opportunity and uh, for them to live out the American dream. I mean, wow, you know. I remember, you know, not to get political or anything, but we did cigars for President Bush back in like 2010. And that was a big deal for us, you know. And I remember my father, he was there with, uh, with President Bush, which he wasn't president anymore, but still. 41 and 43 because his father was there mm-hmm. and uh we, we got a picture with you know with w and i remember my dad saying to me he said you know son he said only in america can can you come up to the president you know so he said somebody like me that comes from you know from from cuba a, an immigrant here and, and to meet the president of the free world wow you know that was such a big deal for him you know what an honor and he was right Absolutely. yeah it- it's uh, I'm lighting up. The, I finished up the 1942. I'm lighting up a Florida Tampa now. Um, and I lo- <laughs> I, sorry. I love this cigar. It's fantastic. Um, Thank couldn't you. Help, couldn't help myself. Um, I think I want to I think I want to light one with what the hell I want to go with this one. too. Uh, but, you know, there's a part of your story that we haven't talked about uh, that I think was really cool um, that I didn't realize until I met him at the booth and everything. You're a second generation. Uh, you're well. You're the next generation. You know, after your father, grandfather, and great grandfather. And um, but you had the next generation in your booth too, which was your son. My son. Yeah, there he was. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'm honored. I mean, he's the fifth generation in our family to work with tobacco, and uh, you know, he uh, he's really getting into it. <laughs> uh, I, funny, funny thing is though, I don't know if he's got. I, I'll say this lightly, right? I don't know if he ever really had a choice in the matter, really, because <laughs> he. Uh, He's been helping me since he was about 10 years old. I mean, he, you know, we would go out to like local, you know, um, you know, farmers markets and just, you know, local events and stuff. And he was always there helping me. And ever since he was 10 years old, he's been helping me out. So, uh, like you said, it's ironic the way things work out because when dad passed away, I basically had to go to the other shop full time and the shop, the other shop that we had that I kind of bounced back and forth between, he just kind of took over. He just, I said, look, here you go. And he was, he was ready and he's been running it all this time. Mm-hmm. He's the man in charge over there. You know, I couldn't be more proud. Let's uh, let's, let's also, we can't mention it without mentioning his name. Let's talk about it. it's Brandon, Brandon Serafin. So uh, he's, Brandon, yeah. he's special shout out to him tonight. Yes, exactly. He's the next generation of the Serafin family. And uh, um, you know, to, to just to turn a page on what we were talking about, the, the immigrant story becoming, the uh the american story you know brandon's not a cuban name you know and, no. uh, but so it's it's i think it's really cool that 
that he does have a more a more I guess you could call it a, a more non traditional name or an American name, so to speak. That... Yeah, I still hit him with Arnold in the middle though. Brandon Arnold Seraphin. Okay, so, oh, he does have your name. That's cool. Um, yeah, I think it's so cool that uh, um, you know to see younger generations, and that's kind of been the story lately uh, in the cigar industry. <clears throat> We've seen a lot of these. You know, we talk about a lot about the old guard, and we talk, but we've seen a lot of the the the, the younger sons now. They're in their twenties and thirties that are coming up and making their mark. You know, had the opportunity. Isn't that to, great? It really is. I you know I had the opportunity to sit with. I love it. Lito Gomez, who's one of, I mean, he's one of the name, Yeah, and he's one of the actually biggest reasons why I'm sitting across from you today and in this. I mean, I smoked one of his cigars. It wasn't the first premium cigar I smoked, but it was the. Uh, it was my indoctrination into the world of premium cigars is what I talk about. Uh, when I first smoked the his original Lajero, which absolutely kicked my ass when I was 18 years old. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful wow. thing. But I've grown close with his son, Tony, and now his son, Lito Jr., is make, is into the mix with the, like, the Soli. And, and you, That's so cool. And it's it, it's really great. Like even uh, the Cuevas family, you know, Alec Cuevas, who's in his early twenties and he's, he's doing things as a, as the next generation in that family too, who's grown, uh, been part of tobacco and, and they're there for years, they were much known for their, the Las Lavas factory, which has manufactured some great cigars over the years for some pretty popular brands during the boom and post boom and things like that. And now they're sure. the last few years, they've kind of come onto the market with Casa Cuevas, which is in no, Again, in, in comparatively speaking, it's very similar to your story, which is kind of cool. You know, it was so know. many great stories in the industry, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, there's, I, to me, there's no bigger honor, you know, to one generation after another. You know, I mean, it's what we do for a living, you know. And it's funny because you were talking about the Canary Islands and stuff earlier. Did you know most of the people in the cigar business in Cuba back in the day, we were all Canary Islanders? Mm-hmm. The Fuentes, the Menendez, uh, you know, my family. Placencia, the list goes on and on and on. So it was like a generational thing, you know? And uh, of course the revolution came and that kind of got cut in half, but we came, you know, to all these other countries and we've continued. And that, I think that's a beautiful thing. Like you said, one bad thing that happens is a catalyst for other Mm -hmm. things like the industry growing in Dominican Republic and in Nicaragua and all that. It never would have happened if it wouldn't have been because of the whole thing in Cuba. Well, we did a tribute. We did a tribute show for Jose Orlando Padron uh, a few years ago when he when he passed away, and you know it was it, it a couple of weeks earlier we had we had interviewed Nick uh, uh, Nestor Andres Placencia, um, and that's like those stories the the of perseverance kind of mirror each other and they're very similar. Like they're, they're obviously the histories of their families are different and there's they have their own sure. individual mark and they're unique and everything, but what's really great about it is it's it's it was all part of that catalytic event of the revolution like we were talking about but it goes back further like of you course. were talking about the canary islands and everything so like it's a, it's a story of perseverance um and um you know it you know here we are in 2023 you know still talking about it and it's and it and it's getting the tor- <laughs> the torches the torch is getting passed to this next generation as we're talking about like with you know i think that's brand. the best i mm-hmm. i just couldn't be i couldn't be more honored you know for him to do it and and we'll see you know i mean he's going to school and stuff he uh he's kind of halfway there he already finishes associates in accounting so i always joke around and tell him i say you know 
it's good because we do need a, my, my father was a great numbers guy. He was always about numbers and that's what he did. He went to, you know, school of commerce in Cuba and he became an accountant back in the day. So I think he's kind of inadvertently following his footsteps too. So I'm like, you know, we can always use a good accountant because I'm good about making cigars, but I'm not so good at, you know, handling all the, the, the numbers part of the business. You know, I have, I have helped my wife and family and thank God, you know, cause it's, it's a lot to take on, but, uh, I always say, you know, we could use a good accountant. You might be that guy. <laughs> well, the work you're doing now is setting the foundation for him to take over. Like you're still a young man, you know, let's, you know, it, you know, you're, it, it, you're not, you're not part of this, this old guard in terms of like generational, like you're not, no. you know, you're not, you know, you're, you're not Carlito's age, for example, and everything like that. And Carlito's still going to be around for years too, but yeah, um, he'll be around for a while, but the guy's got so much energy, man. Yeah, exactly. We're so. just, we were just joking about that this week. We we're talking about, it. I said, you know, you might be the only guy that I know, you know, 69 years old and you're still out there hitting the pavement. I mean, now he's, he's taking another trip this week and he's always out, man. He's always, he loves it. He just loves it. Like I, it's like the fuel that he has, you know, the passion. And the, the crazy thing is that man can still roll a cigar with the best of them. Oh, hell yeah, he can. Absolutely. They but the problem is so, so many of them, right? I mean, is there anything in that whole catalog of brands that he makes that is not stellar? I don't know. Everything is amazing. Yeah, I mean, everything from like, even like, I mean, I remember working in retail for years and stuff. And, you know, when I would grab like a quick cigar, like, you know, like the Curly Head Deluxe. It's definitely, it's a cheap cigar, but it's, but, so but, but it's a good one. It's for good. like for the price. Oh my God, yeah. you know, mm. it's like, like, you know, people have always said, you know, they got, they got to smoke too. I mean, people that are on a budget, man, it's, you know, you got to have a little bit of everything. Cigars for everybody, for sure. That's it. That's absolutely right. You you talked about the fact at PCA, you were able to open up, you know, new accounts and everything like that. What was the, you know, other than the business aspect of it, what was the, what was your, what was your, what would you view as the most successful part of the, that venture for you? Well, the, the exposure for sure, you know, being able to put my, my name and my brands out there in front of such a big audience and, and the interviews and, you know, just the media attention alone was phenomenal. But, uh, you know, on top of that, being able to speak to people that I hadn't spoken to in, in a long time. And, 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 you know, they some of those folks actually helped me out. They got me some customers and they got me, you know, some attention. And, and like I said, I think, uh, I think it, I'm excited about it. I, I want to go back again next year too. And, you know, obviously there's only nine months now, so it's a shorter time frame to get everything going. But, um, you know, it's funny because I was watching last week's episode with Michael Herklotz, which was very interesting when you guys had him on here. And he said something which really hit hit on all cylinders for me. And he said, you know, everybody now is focused about going to the PCA and this media attention and making a big deal about it and releasing a brand and a new brand. It's nice if you can do that. But that's not what the PCA is about, man. It's about being able to take care of your customer base and making sure that they're taken care of and they're getting consistency, you know, instead of being able to go there and, and launch a new product every year and putting that pressure on you, you know, because, I mean, a lot of these companies, that's what they're doing is they're, they're putting so much pressure on themselves trying to release a new product year after year. And I think uh, I think that's not what it's all about. Herklot said that too. Yeah. With the that, exception was a, that was an interesting take on it. With the exception of the legacy brands that uh, that Michael was able to bring in, your your companies are the same age, and you actually technically Amazing, huh? you technically have a larger portfolio 
than Ferry Otego. <laughs> wow, well, that's true. Very, very cool though. I mean, he was able to bring back the the old Matt Sherman brands. That was very cool. Yeah, really, uh, really part of that the was a hell of a place too. Yeah, I never, I never had the, I never had the privilege. It's really quite sad, but beautiful um, place, man. Yeah, maybe one day we'll see something like that again. Um, I'm sure. I think so. I hope so. Um, we're about to jump into some of our last segments for the night here, Arnold. But the the last thing I wanted to kind of this is kind of a funny aside, but uh, my my partner Coop uh, on Scar Coop Prime Time Special Edition that I've had the privilege of partnering with for uh, the Great last six years. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. Uh, he uh, him and I always have this strange joke. I'm trying to I'm trying to teach him how to take a selfie, and it's taken a couple of years, and he's getting a little better at it. But he always he always kind of you know he kind of ribs me because I I like to take I like to take selfies, and I I I do it all over the place. And our our favorite thing to do at the trade <laughs> show is is to self we we call selfie bomb Jose Blanco every year, and I do it every day. I go I find him and. He, he's in the character mid- middle of conversations middle middle of conversations i'll absolutely run up to him and i'll just snap a selfie real quick with him it's one of my favorite things to do at the pca it's kind of been a running joke but um but man you were the king of selfies man man you oh my you god got, I, got I got a bunch of it was awesome man you got pictures with everybody it was great i really so. did man i i just everybody always laughs about that i'm like yeah I, I like to do it if i have time and i see people i'm like let's let's take a picture let's do it you know it's it's memories man yeah we're creating kind of, memories Got to cap, got to capture the moment. So, absolutely. Well, uh, just to uh, Arnold, thank you so much for your time tonight. We've got a few more questions to get. I've had a lot of fun here. I got to tell you, thank you so much. So the next, the next, the next guy is designed as a rapid fire. It's called this or that, and it's very simple. I give you a choice between two things. Some are cigar related, and some are not. And uh, you just pick between the two, and uh, that's 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 it is. So, um, so. Let's talk about Tampa and let's talk about restaurants. So would you take Columbia restaurant or the field? And what I mean by the field is any other restaurant in Tampa is Columbia your choice, or would you pick something else out of the field? Uh, are we talking about just Spanish food? Uh, no, pretty much. It, in, it's up to your interpretation. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to lead you down any path. You don't want to go. So well, your call. I'll tell you what, man, I, I do like the Columbia restaurant a lot. I, I mean, I, I love the history behind the restaurant. It's uh, it was uh, a Tampa icon. I, I love it there. So what? Yeah, Columbia restaurant is fine with me. Columbia restaurant. What's your favorite thing to eat there? Uh, believe it or not, if I go, I'll have a Cuban sandwich. I love the way they make the sandwich there. But and there and you know what? They have a, a a salad. They call it the 1905 salad. It's it's awesome. It's got cheese in it, and it's like a Spanish uh, you know dressing on it. It's just really really great. Nice. So I, I really like the 1905 salad. That and a sandwich is it's good for me, man. The Cubano, yeah, made in Tampa, right. made in Tampa, not Miami. A lot of history, man. <laughs> well, you know what? I love the Miami ones. No, nothing against them, um, but the Tampa ones, man. We got the Cuban bread here, which is uh, it's really great from La Segunda, which is what they use. They they press it and it doesn't crumble. It doesn't fall apart. And I think we got the upper hand on on Miami with that. But of course, my Miami friends will, you know, they'll argue other aspects, you know, about the pork, the marination, and everything. But I think they're both both versions are good. I mean, you know, <laughs> let's go to tobacco, shade or sun grown specifically. I know what the father would do, but what's your shade grown or sun grown liquor? I think shade grown. 
That's what I did with Dad, but but you know, a good sun grown rapper too is is phenomenal too. I mean, they're both they're both nice, really. The Ecuador's the Ecuador uh, sun grown are phenomenal. Mm. That's what I got here on the floor to Tampa. Actually, it's an Ecuador Habano, but you know, fishing or sailing. Sailing. Just in the Tampa area, or do you have, have you sailed? Uh, have you done sailing anywhere else? Uh, throughout the Caribbean, a few places here and there. The Keys too. Okay, but it's funny because when I was a little kid, I used to love to go fishing with my uncle, who passed away many years ago, and he was uh, he was like a like a notorious fisherman in the family, right? We'd fish off of bridges, and he had his boat, and man, I never had so much fun fishing other than with him. And I've gone out, you know, fishing with other people after that, but it just never was the same. Because he was one of those people, he just, he'd fish at night off the bridges. I mean, it was great. It was so exciting, you know? Yeah, my son's been asking me to go fishing. I'm like, yeah, I mean, we got to do it. We got to go do it. You got to do it. There's a lot of great places in Texas to, to do that, too. Yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. Absolutely. Some great fishing yeah. here. Um, okay, let's good turn our attention to pizza. Stuffed crust or classic crust? Classic crust, for sure. And, and you know what? Like Jersey style, thin and crispy. Oh, Jersey, okay. New York. Yeah. I'm always giving those guys from Chicago a hard time because you know how they make the big, thick, uh, you know, pizzas. Nah, not, not a fan. I love pizza, man. I will, I will, I will fucking destroy any kind of pizza. I love deep dish. I love New York style. I know it's thin, thick, stiff crust. Name it, man. I love it. I love pizza. You ever heard of a, of a company called Giordano's? They have yeah. a, like a chain of, they opened up here in Tampa, like, I don't know, maybe like, 10 years ago or whatever. And they just did not do well, man. They just, they folded like within, I think it was like the first couple of years. And I think it's because it it took so long. Like you'd sit down and you'd order a deep dish pizza and it would take about an hour for them to bring it out. You know, I think people just, they like the, uh, the fact that they can go get a regular style, you know, classic or whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's so many places too. like, even like, you know, like the chain pie five, you can get a pizza literally. I mean, it's designed five minutes, you know, like they throw it in. Cook, cook it up and it's done you know uh sure neapolitan pizzas had a lot of fire too wood fired neapolitan like those these i mean the the, best. Uh, ovens are like you know fucking thousand degrees they throw them in there for two minutes and it's like ready to go thousand degree pizza it's yeah. crazy so, isn't that insane yeah i so had we, a really good pizza in rhode island last year believe it or not out of all places and oh. the guy that was in the kitchen he came out and i told him i said man what a great pizza you're making here he was a Spanish guy. He was from like Guatemala or Honduras, I think it was. And he learned how to make pizza in Brooklyn with some Italian guy. And then he ended up going to Rhode Island and he makes like the best pizza in the Italian neighborhood of Providence. Oh, it's just unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. How about I thought that? that was really great. Yeah. I know people talk about how great Connecticut pizza is. You know, we we're talking about tobacco. You know, that's obviously a great tobacco state. And uh, Connecticut. Frank Peppies. Yeah. Connecticut's on the map too. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, before we went live tonight, you, t- you took me a little bit around, uh, of course, the room that you're in, which is your your smoking cabin that you've kind of built there on your on your on your property and everything. But if we're talking about outside, I know this seems kind of silly, but would you rather smoke a cigar on your front porch or your back porch? Well, I guess my back porch. I, I kind of like my privacy and I have a, a good backyard here. So I just I really enjoy being back here and just relaxing. It's kind of kind of like my own little meditation area, you know? 
Yeah. We, uh, we, we used to go down to this, uh, this B and B down in Fredericksburg, Texas. And I loved used to sitting on the front porch, rocking chairs and smoking a cigar in the morning. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Right. And, and like Key West is like that. St. Augustine too. If you've never been is phenomenal, you know, great little town. You can sit out there and people watch. I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Nothing better than people watch. We were doing that yesterday at my store. <laughs> so I have a little, we're on the tourist drag there too, in Tarpon Springs. And it's always fun to see folks, you know, walking by and stuff. Of course it was. Almost 100 degrees yesterday. It was really, really hot. But Back to cigars, Corona or Robusto? Mm, interesting. Okay. I'm more of a Robusto guy, I think. I like, I like the, the, the ring gauge. Thicker ring gauges more. Mm-hmm. But uh, some people, it's true. Like Jose Blanco, he loves a, a good Lancero or a good Panatella. Mm-hmm. You know, six and a half by 42. And I- that's a very classic size. I love classic sizes like that. I'm a big Corona fiend. Like I think it's, Corona is my favorite cigar size to smoke in, but I smoke probably more Robustas than anything else. It's uh, just a good cigar for the time, right? If, mm-hmm. if you don't have a lot of time to commit, I just feel like it's it's perfect, you know? Half well, hour maybe. Well, with Coronas and Robustas too, you can. I always find you can smoke more. Like I can smoke four Robustas in the time that it takes me to smoke larger cigars. So, so Yeah, I, I can't do anything myself personally past a 54 like right now i'm doing a six and a half by 54 and that's as pretty much as fat as i'll go i'm i make a 60 ring and people love it but i i personally am not a fan of the 60 rings uh, i mean i there there are good 60 ring gauge cigars but I, I i i leave those to coop he's a bit he's the 60 guy so he likes the 60s yeah he loves the some 60s. guys love it so. they dig it okay, go into holidays now july 4th or thanksgiving I say probably Thanksgiving because it's all about the food, right? The food and the family. And I, I think that's pretty cool. I have such fond memories of, of Thanksgivings back in the day when I was a kid, you know. Fourth of July is fun too, though. But I, I find like like Thanksgiving and Christmas are special, you know. Absolutely. All right. So if we're sitting on your back porch, since you said you like the back porch, what would you rather view in the distance? Would you rather like to see a lightning storm or shooting stars? Hmm. lightning storm which we have a bunch here in tampa that's one thing we have a lot of <laughs> well it's uh the city of lightning right other than it's, it's yeah stars, lightning capital uh, lightning capital yeah lightning capital hence the the name of your hockey team there so tampa bay lightning. I've, lo- I've lost like televisions and shit because the lightning here is crazy i was so bummed out one time we bought like a like i don't know i think it was like a 65 inch back then and like a year later I'm like trying to turn the thing on and I'm like, what the hell happened? Lightning, lightning. I didn't have it put in the search protector. Oh, so after man. that, everything has a search. Protector. Yeah. yeah. That was a oh, bummer. crazy. It happens. Crazy. All right. Well, that was this or that. Uh, we're going to move into our next segment, which is sponsored by Pastania cigars. Everybody eats. If you're all, if you always make sure that your servant style is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Pastania cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit. With Pastania, everybody eats. So we've talked a little bit about food today, Arnold. And so here's my question to you. Um, what is the food or dish that you love that you wouldn't have tried if you hadn't been offered or forced to by someone else? That's a, that's a tough one. I love Italian food. I love I love Chinese food. I'm really about the comfort. I'm a comfort food kind of guy, right? Like I love my Spanish food. I love Mexican food. Um, well, you know, you know what? Not because we're talking about Mexico and stuff earlier. 
probably Mexican food, man. Like my wife was always a, a big fan of it. And for many years, if I went to the Mexican restaurant, I was always like, oh, I just want to do like the chicken and this. And then I started trying all the different stuff, right? And now I really dig Mexican food, man. Like, What's your favorite you know, dish? What do you go to? Um, What's your go-to? I, I think, well, you're probably going to say it's more of a Tex-Mex thing. I really like the fajitas a lot. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you know what I was going to say? Yeah, I with, all the pepper, with all the peppers yeah. and everything. I love fajitas that. Fajitas are great. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. My, so that my, is more of a Tex-Mex thing, huh? Yeah, my 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 grandmother made some. She had some. She made some um, unbelievable classic dishes. But the the dish that I absolutely love, and it, it it's a but it's also a curse because there's very few places I've been that actually make it really well. But my grandmother's recipe for chili relleno was just so Ooh, wow. unbelievable, I'll unbelievable. I'll bet. Man. Um, we had we had some amazing Mexican food in uh, in Vegas. At that Tacos El Gordo place? Tacos El Gordo, yeah. No, I heard, oh my God. I heard about it, though. I, I saw that you went. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, really good. Definitely need to hit And then up. there's another place, like, right next to it called El Pastor. And it's like they're competing, but they're both really, really great. It's like, which one's better? I don't know. They're both really good. <laughs> I I could eat tacos every single day. Like, uh, Oliver Nouveau of United Cigar and I, we share this affinity for tacos. And I, I could eat tacos every every fucking meal. I love tacos. I think, I think I could probably do that, too. I mean, I they're, could, they're good. Yeah, with the guac on it, like like the real deal, you know, with Any, everything on it. Oh anything, God. yeah. I I'll I'll okay, eat yeah. any kind of taco. Uh, uh, lingua like cow cow tongue. <laughs> oh, so good. So fun. those are the best ones. So good, unbelievable. I love it. I love we don't, tacos. you know, I gotta say, we we don't really have such great like taco places like that here in Florida. I mean, if you know how to find them, they're they're out there, but there's there's not as many. You know what I'm saying, like Texas, Nevada, California. I mean, there's. Over there, it's like there's so many of them, you know. Yeah, nothing, nothing, dis- nothing disappointed me more when I went to, you know, when some friends of mine have obviously know that I do the cigar thing. I'm telling them I'm going to Florida, and they're like, "Oh, I bet you had some good Mexican food down there." I was like, "Not really." Right? Why would I have Mexican food in Florida, man? I'm going to eat Cuban food, <laughs> right? And, and, and with me, it's like the opposite, right? It, yeah. Well, I and uh, one of what I love about what I love about because I love spicy food, but what I love about Cuban food is it's not that. It's just, it's not spicy. Yeah, it's not spicy. Right. And it's not uh, spicy at all. That's what I was trying to convince some of some people in my family who aren't into spicy food. And I'm like, oh, I want to try these Cuban dishes. They're like, well, you know, as long as you can make it not spicy. I was like, oh, that's the great thing about Cuban food. It's not spicy. Yeah, it's not spicy. The beans and everything is just kind of mellow, mellowed out. You know. Yeah, savory. But I, I do love my comfort food, though. You know, it's like the stuff you grew up on. You know, the stuff my mother made, and like I, I just like a good plate of you know rice and beans with pork. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. simple it's yeah. just my my go-to food yeah my my grandmother my grandmother made uh which is popular among a lot of uh latin cultures um but she made she made a killer arroz con pollo oh well. wow yeah that's that's phenomenal my mom Man, my mom used to make one good ones though. mexicans mexican style as i used to like it's not the arroz con pollo that you grew up on like this is it dry, is it drier or is it like wet it's like her hers hers her, so she made Spanish rice, so it's this is is basically a, a rose rojo, what you would call like red rice. Um, okay. And and but she she did it with uh, she used she garnished it and, and well she garnished it with and also made it with Fresno chilies, the red jalapenos. Wow. And so Fresno chilies are very very particular on my palate. I can taste Fresno chili in any dish, 
because of that. And it's got this nice sweetness too. Fresno chilies have this beautiful sweetness, but this wonderful, wonderful heat that just really permeates wow. the palate in this really great way. And so it was really funny. We were doing an aging experiment on Cigar Coop years ago with the Todos Los Dias that, that Steve Saka made. Uh, and he he's since discontinued, unfortunately, but the, um, um, but the Todos Los Dias had this, this very distinct Fresno chili note. And I was talking about that on the show as we were smoking it. And some people were like, that's like, how can you fucking taste the difference? I was like, no, you have to understand that flavor note is so permeated on my palate. I know exactly what <laughs> you that remember tastes it, right? Like. I know exactly what that tastes like. And as Todos Los Dias had this Fresno chili wow. note, that was just fantastic. Uh, I got a friend of mine from Texas. He's probably watching the show right now. Mexican buddy of mine. And he grows his own peppers and everything out there in Texas. Oh. He's got like, he's got like hatch peppers and everything from like New Mexico. And yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, right. The stuff. Well, that's, that was the secret to my grandmother's Chileriano is like, the, hatch, hatch the, yeah, everyone uses poblano peppers because it's, wow. the, it's the big pepper and everything like that. And you can actually get sure. more in a poblano because it's thicker and bigger and everything like that. But that was the secret to my grandmother's Riano is that she used these long, you know, they're hatch chilies are like hatch chili is a brand hatch chili. I mean, and, and they, it, they're, it, they taste different, trust me, but basically it, they're Anaheim chilies. They're Anaheim chilies grown oh. in hatch, hatch to Mexico. That's what they are. Wow. Okay. Um, but they taste different than any other Anaheim chili that you've ever had. I mean, they have a very distinct flavor. And uh, so like I, they are different, but they're, it's, it's not like a special hybrid chili that they came up with, but that was her secret. Was she used Anaheim or or, or Hatch chilies in her Reno? That's how she made it instead of using poblanos, which is traditionally what you see. Um, and uh, but the other dish she used to make too, and I've made it a few times, and it's the only dish of hers that I've actually been able to replicate to where I'm like, okay, this is pretty fucking good. I haven't been able to do a Reno. I still can't do her Spanish rice. My mother is the only person that's ever come close to making the rice, the arroz rojo, like she used to. And my mother's the only one that can get close. Um, what's your What's your favorite dish? Well, the chili relleno is my favorite dish, but the, the dish I've been able to replicate the best is the chili colorado that she used to make, wow. which is basically with with pork, and it's made. You you take all these dried chilies of like. Basia and Anjo and like uh, uh, um, a few others, and you obviously you you steep them, you bring them back to life essentially, and then you you blend them down into this really rich, dark, savory, spicy sauce that you cook the pork down into, and it just becomes so good. And it's not like carnitas. It's, oh man, it's cubed. It, You're making me hungry here, man. Yeah, it's cubed. It's cubed pork, and so you eat that. Oh, so oh. I was so in the mm. mood for that today, like a good Mexican meal. We didn't go because it was raining all day, and we just kind of stayed home. Oh. But uh, maybe, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> I got a place around the corner from here. That's phenomenal. Good stuff. Yeah. Well. Uh, that was our Everybody Eats segment sponsored by Postani Cigars. If you always make sure that your servant style is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Postani Cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit with Postania. Everybody eats. So we've got a couple more segments here to cap off our evening, Arnold. So second to last question here, which is our Asylum Moment, which is always brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Refuge is more than just this physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. So light up an asylum and choose your refuge. 
So Arnold, this segment is is about your moment with the cigar. So you you know your your father and you built this legacy of, in retail. You know you're you're very much part of the cigar community. You've enjoyed thousands of cigars in the community that you and your father created at Serafin de Cuba. And, um, and you're, of course, you're building on that with the Serafin de Cuba cigars that we talked about all night. But every so often, you know, even though cigars are so community-based and we have so many great moments that we've had with other people, there's still those few moments that we have with it's just the cigars and ourselves. So you've probably had maybe a dozen or so probably in your lifetime, maybe, maybe more, maybe less. And I'm not telling you to pick your favorite, but what's the one that comes to mind where you were, you lit up a cigar and you enjoyed it in the moment? Were you listening to music? Were you watching a sporting event? Were you just alone in your thoughts? What was that moment about? And if you can remember, what was the cigar you were smoking? Oh, okay. That's a, that's a, that's a good one. That's a tough one too. Um, well, like I said, you know, those cigars I brought back from Cuba when I was very young, obviously 14 years old, what the hell did I know about cigars back then? But, uh, you know, I brought them back and I really enjoyed the hell out of those cigars. And I think it was, you know, knowing the fact that my grandfather rolled them and everything, that was really, really special to me. But, uh, you know, then throughout the years, of course, I've smoked many, many great cigars, you know, when my son was born and, you know, my, my daughters too. And uh, I've smoked a little bit of everything, man. Throughout the years, we've smoked, uh, you know, obviously Fuente cigars. I smoked Padrones. Um, so many great cigars out there. It's tough to, to name them all, you know. Do you remember what but, cigar uh, you lit up when Brandon was born? Do you happen? Yeah, to- as a matter of fact, believe it or not, it was a local cigar made in Miami at the time. It was, uh, I think it was uh, Gigante de Pita, believe it or not, <laughs> which was just rolled locally down there. It wasn't anything special, but they were good. Mm-hmm. They were good cigars. It's good to mark those moments. I, uh, you know, but I do enjoy smoking a good cigar when I have the music on, listening to old Cuban music. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just kind of enjoy that. It's like a little, like my me time. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. meditation. Yeah. The uh, I was uh, when I was getting married. My I went my bachelor party. My my friends bought a box of La Florida Dominicana Double Hero Maduros or Naturals, rather. Excuse me. Um, that I've always enjoyed that cigar. Um, so they bought me a box, and um, you know, I smoked one the night before my wedding. I smoked one when my son was born, you know, a few years, five years later, I smoked one when my second son was born. Uh, and that's, those are only, those are the only three cigars that I've smoked out of that box. I still have the box and, you know, no shit. Yeah. So wow. I'll, be, I'll be enjoying some of those cigars for years to come in milestone events. And How old are they right now? You think my old, Oh, the cigars. Uh, yeah, they are, um, well, uh, they're 13 years old at this point. That's awesome. Yeah. They're only getting better. Mm-hmm. Aging, aging cigars is cool. I mean, yeah, I, I, always, I always say smoke them if you got them, but there's certain cigars you want to hold on to and you want to just kind of let them sit and, and rest and, you know, light them up for those special occasions, you know? Definitely. Your Opus X's and, you know, stuff like that, you know? For sure. All right. Well, this uh, will cap off our evening, Arnold. Thank you so much for your time. I know you have a, f- you, we've talked about your family. We know you have a family. It's Sunday night. It's late. And for you to sit down for a couple of hours plus and talk it's, to me. It's been an honor, Bear. Thank you so much for having me. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed it. I like the you. format that you have here and it's very, very easy going. You know, I like that a lot. Uh, the honor is mine. 
Arnold. Thank you so much for this opportunity. So uh, let's uh, let's uh, finish uh, let's finish off tonight's evening as we always do here on Ellis Fumar Takes with our Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust Curveball segment. Fastballs or curveballs? It doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park eight consecutive years in the consensus top three. Congratulations to our good friend, Mr. Steve Saka. So Saka Squatch. Saka Squatch, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So Arnold, yeah. so here we go. Um let's uh let's get in our time machine here. Uh, I asked this question of I wanted to do this. I don't normally do this. I usually come up with a unique question each week. Um, but I asked Michael this question last week and I thought this would be a really interesting question to ask back to back weeks because well there there are similarities to Sir, uh, you know Seraphin de Cuba and Ferry Otego two completely different stories and I think so it'd be worth I thought it'd be worth asking the question again so let's fast forward a decade okay so let's get in our time machine so 10 years from now what brand is Seraphin de Cuba synonymous with? Is it so? I'll give you so I'll give you an example of something to ponder while you're yeah. thinking about that. You know, is it synonymous with a brand like Monte Cristo? Is it, an, is it become an iconic brand in this industry of legendary status and more? Is it synonymous with the Fuente family, family-run business of economic stature and and and, and live affinity and um, you know? Or is it more synonymous with, you know, a well, Steve is an example, a boutique brand that um, has garnered a lot of fame, a lot of following in its short history. In 10 years, you'll be, you know, 14 years old as a brand, or just under that a little bit. What brand will Serafin de Cuba be synonymous with? That's a that's a tough question. Um you know, it's, it, I'd like to say that I think all of them are, are doing very well. Um, I think Florida Tampa might be the one that might stick the most, though. I think that one, La Floridana might be the other one. But uh, if I had to pick, it'd probably be between those two. And Prince of Wales, I mean, you know, who knows? I, I, I still say that there's a big segment of the population that loves Connecticut rappers. So I guess it, it it's tough to tell, but who knows? I, I'm crazy. I mean, maybe by then. I'll be like, uh, like Pete Johnson that has a million brands too that's out there, you know, and they're all really good too. Well, but, let's go with your instinct maybe, here. Maybe Florida Tampa. Let's yeah. go, yeah. Let's go with your instinct. Let's talk about Florida Tampa for again for a second. I'm I'm still smoking it right now, and I'm really enjoying it. Like I said, it's Same my here. it's my favorite. It's my favorite in your portfolio. I'm I'm smoking it again. I'm like, yep, this is this is this is this is the, this is the jam, man. This so is the one, right? Why, yeah. So why did your instinct go there? Why did you think, why do you think Florida Tampa will be the one that people are talking about, smoking about, and it's the one that will kind of stands the test of time, to use a turnabout phrase? I think I think the history behind the brand is great. The artwork I just love. And I just feel like there's something romantic about this brand. And uh, I think the um, the blend that we did here is, is a blend for for serious cigar smokers. And I think, you know, the, the people that really appreciate a medium to full body cigar really, really dig the cigar. And I just keep on getting such great reviews on it. And, and, and just people have come out and told me, they're like, yeah, man, Florida, Tampa, that's 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 going to be a winner. You know, that's going to be the one. I'm like, I, I hope you're right, man. I, from your ears to, you know, from your mouth to God's ears, right? You know? Right. 
but uh, I just love the history behind it. I really do. So, I'm honored to have the cigar. So here, it, you know? here's here's my comment about the Florida Tampa, along with the rest of your portfolio. And Arnold, please don't take this the wrong way. I I absolutely love the history, and I I want everyone to appreciate what you're doing, and the way Thank that you. you're doing it, and the history of these cigars, and the honoring and the homage that you're paying to your father and grandfather. But these are very dated and classic looking cigars and you know people may not appreciate it unfortunately which sucks but i think what i think why your instinct and why that if you'd asked me if you turned the question on me i probably would have said it too not just because it's my favorite out of your blends because i think all of them smoke fantastic everyone needs to try these cigars thank you everyone needs to try everyone there's something for you in this portfolio now again there for your for the, my audience who is like the heavy full-bodied smoker right now there's nothing in the portfolio that's going to fit that bill uh you probably like the 1917 the best but um but there's well, i do have one i do have one but i don't think you've tried it yet okay and uh you know what it is it's a san andres wrapper i have to send you some of those so you can sample okay Tell me okay what you think about them Sounds good. Sounds but good. They're they're like a medium to full, like real full. Like I okay. like even I had one on a kind of on an empty stomach one day, and and it kicked my ass. I gotta <laughs> tell you, set you down. It kicked my ass. That San Andreas wrapper is a uh, is strong man. Yeah. yeah, but I think that's why Florida Tampa is gonna be the one. I think your instincts are right there. I think the yes, Thank it's you. still it's still it, it's that it's the original label, but I think. Um, it has it has the staying power. I think it's the cigar with the blend that it can be mapped to to anyone. It's the it's the most approachable about yeah. everything for everybody. From what it's in I've the middle, heard. right? Yeah, it's in the middle. It's in the middle. Yeah. And uh, while everyone's still, you know, there you'll always have a market for your for your father's cigar and the Prince of Wales because everyone loves Connecticut Shade. This cigar, I think, is is the ticket. Um, so I I, I agree with your I instinct think so. there. So. Um, well, we'll see if I'm right or wrong. Right in ten yeah. years, we'll 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 set a date now, and we'll come there back in ten years. And talk exactly, <laughs> exactly. Were we right? Were we wrong? Uh, it's it's marked. Yeah, it's yeah. here on July twenty. You know what's funny though? Yeah, write it down, man. 20, 2023. There was somebody at the show. I'm not going to say who it was, but they came up to me, and uh, it was somebody that Rich had um had sold had sold uh you know the cigars to, and he said to me, he said, uh, you know what? He goes. I never heard about your cigars. And I, I said, well, I said, I'm, you know, we're the best cigars that nobody's ever heard of is what I told him. And he started laughing about that. Right. But he said to me, he goes, when Rich approached me about the cigars. Yeah. You know, I heard the story a million times, a Cuban guy making cigars, yada, yada, yada. He goes, and your cigars, exactly. You said, he goes, they were very traditional in, in the packaging and everything. He goes, but when I started smoking them, he said to me, he goes, now I realize that they were really great. He goes, they're really great. They were good. And, and I'm a believer. Now you made a believer out of me. And I said, well, thank you. You know, that's, there's no bigger honor for me than that. And to hear that. Huge compliment. You know, huge compliment. Yeah. I love this. And he's, he's a retail partner of ours now too. So that's great. Terrific. I love, I love the story, Arnold. I love what you're doing. Like I said, I love this. Thanks, sir. Um, this is, again, if you guys are watching or listening, more than likely, you probably haven't had an opportunity to try these. You need to. Um, you can check out uh, what's what's your website? Seraphincigars.com. And that's S-E-R-A-F-I-N cigars.com. And, uh, you know, like I said, as of recently, we've uh, 
partnered up with a lot of different shops throughout the country, and hopefully we're going to be getting into into more of them. You know, within do, time. Do you know the your current store count by chance? Uh, we're probably like right now at about thirty five so far, so it's getting there. Yeah, little by little, we're getting them out there. It's beautiful. Different parts of the country too, man. We have a a good customer of ours in in Nebraska. We have some in Rhode Island, uh, up in the Northeast. Rich has a lot of them down here in the Southeast. You know, Georgia, Alabama, uh, Tennessee, North Carolina. So it's it's we're getting steam little by little. Fantastic. But you know what? We're growing little by little, but like Rich always says, slow but steady. You know, it's not about quantity; it's about quality, and that's. Mm. I'm I'm happy where we're putting it. They're being well represented, and you know they're they're being represented in a really great way. I'm honored. You know, I'm not trying to ask a loaded question here at the back end of the show, Arnold. But you know, you, you oh, you and know. Ohio too. In case in case they're watching in Ohio, they're really popular up there lately. There you go. Casa and Jimmy. And I know you got up there. you got Texas representation while you're at the show, so they there will yeah. be coming to a Texas retailers near That's you. Coming coming soon to a yeah. theater near <laughs> or to a store near you. <laughs> um. But, you know, obviously with you expanding and, and scaling the company and everything, where will, where, have you given any thought to how you're going to scale production and like where that will be manufactured? Well, Barry, you know what, now that you're on the subject, um, I have, I have started to make cigars in Nicaragua recently and uh, we've expanded a little bit already in that, in that direction. So I'm happy with that decision and the quality is still coming out really, really great. I think mm -hmm. um, so. Uh, I'm getting ready for that. If the moment happens for that, you know, for that same reason, because I I have a feeling that, you know, it's going to continue to grow. So are you comfortable at this point, disclosing what factory you're using? Uh, it's a small factory that I actually own a little bit of, uh, of the factory in, okay. in, in Jalapa, actually Jalapa, Nicaragua. Oh, okay, cool. Well, very cool. Well, fantastic. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad there's, there's already, already plans of scaling and everything like that. That makes me ecstatic because, you know, like I said, I want this, I want this story to thrive, Arnold. And uh, I know Thank you, very you much. do as well. And uh, it's, like I said, it's great to see. It's fantastic. So. Um, Thank you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, guys, like I said, check out seraphincigars.com. Uh, check out retailers, though, 30 retailers and uh, 30 plus retailers in the United States so far. By the time this hits the airwaves, maybe there'll be some more and uh, and you guys can uh, check it out. So uh, but you can always check it out at SerafinCigars.com. Uh, he's Arnold Serafin of Serafin de Cuba Cigars. And uh, we really appreciate thank you tuning in. Today. Oh, thank you so much. So for everyone out there, thanks all the likes, the shares, the comments. Keep them coming. If you tune, tune in uh, to our show here every Sunday on Facebook, uh, this is where we do our show every Sunday night starting at 930 Central. We've got a great list of guests coming up in the following weeks. We'll be announcing those as they come here uh, in short order. And that's where we announce it is on our Facebook page. So hit the like button, hit the follow button and you'll be able to keep up with our show. If you are a YouTube subscriber, great. That's fantastic. We've got our YouTube channel as well, Olo Sufumar. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you can stay uh, abreast of all of our videos like this interview, which we'll be, uh, we'll be publishing later this week on YouTube. And if you're, of course, if you're listening to us later on podcasts, whether, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts, be sure you hit the download, subscribe, and review button as well. Uh, do me a favor. If you already are a subscriber, hit the word, hit unsubscribe, but then hit resubscribe because that actually helps my numbers and allows me to get great guests like Arnold whenever I want. That's why they keep coming. So um, I do really Thank appreciate you, everyone. Thank you so much, Arnold. It's been fantastic having this wonderful conversation with you. So for everyone out there, 
I'm Barry Duplessis, live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azle, Texas. This was our 257 take. He's wow. Arnold Serafin. Guess That's what, everybody? We'll see you I'm next so time. I'm so honored, Bear. Thank you. Thank Thanks you for having me. Absolutely. Take care.